nice beaver. Thank you. I just had it stuffed. What's up, man? Cooling, man. Chilling, chilling. Yo, you know I had to call. You know why, right? Why? Because, yo, I never, ever called and asked you to play something, right? Yeah. You know what I want to hear, right? What you want to hear? I want to hear that Wu-Tang joint. Wu-Tang again? Ah, uh, yeah, again and again. <laughs> Like smoking Joe Fraser, the hell raiser, raising hell with the flavor. Terrorize the jam like troops in Pakistan. Swinging through your town like your neighborhood Spider Man. So all uh, tick tock and keep ticking. Well, I get you flipping off the shit I'm kicking. The Lone Ranger, co wet danger. Deep in the dark with the art to rip the charts apart. The vandal, too hot to handle your battle. You're saying goodbye like Devin Campbell. Roughneck, Inspector Dex on the set. The rebel, I make more noise than heavy metal. The way I make the crowd go wild. Sit back, relax. Ray got it going on, pal. Call me the rap assassinator. Rhymes rugged and built like Schwarzenegger. And I'ma get mad deep like a threat. Blow up your project, then take all your assets. Cause I came to shake the frame in half with the thoughts that bomb. Shit like math. So if you wanna try to flip, go flip on the next man. Cause I'll grab the clip and picture with 16 shots and more I got. Going to war with the melting pot. I it's the method man for short, Mr. Map. Move it on your left. Ah, and set it off. Get it off. Let it off like a gat. I wanna break food. Cop me back. Small change. They putting shame in the game. I take game and blow that nigga out the frame. And like bang, my style will live forever. Niggas crossing over like they don't know no better. But I do. True, can I get a suit? Enough respect due to the one six ooh. I mean, oh, yo, check out the phone like the Hudson or PCP. When I'm dusting, niggas off because I'm hot. I just can't turn it down, guys. I can't turn it down. I don't want to. I can't. And we are back for another week of SVS Fly Fishing. This is the Musky Hype Show, guys. We're waiting for it all summer. Oh, here man. it is. Fall is here. Fall is in the air, boys. We got uh, Chris Willen calling in tonight to hype us up some more. He's in his, uh, what, transition coming going from uh, Wisconsin down to Tennessee now, He's right? He's still in Wisco, man. Oh, is he still in Wisco? Yeah. How long? What's he... What's another month or so before he leaves? I'm gonna find out. We'll ask, ask him here soon. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got to. And I want. I wanted to talk about a little bit about like even the transition. You know what I mean? Because is the water the same, or you know, I I, I would imagine it's got a lot more murky, or it's a lot more murky in Wisconsin than I know. We've been in Tennessee, and it was not murky. And I, you know, I'd like to ask him a little bit of the transition, and maybe how he approaches the different fish in the different areas. And I wonder if he out. would consider that water murky. You know, he, no, he's fish so much. Is that I know how is how is tannic water? Yeah. Because we don't have that here, and realistically, I, I can think of one spot that I would say has tannic water. And you yeah. probably know where I'm talking. I do. But where the crazy guy's always at. Yeah. That <laughs> that stretch up in there. Uh, the guy running. <laughs> <laughs> the guy ran his squirrel dog. Yeah, yeah. He reaches for his phone and kicks the throttle down and just floors his just car. Freaking hey, mats it. Let off your gas. <laughs> what? Take a foot off the gas. He's like, you're not cops, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, is that is that murky water? What is that? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, that's just home water. Yeah. We'll see, man. I mean, how much viz do you get? In it? Yeah. All good questions. We'll be asking a little bit later. But uh, for right now, the podcast has been brought to you by Predator Fly Gear. Find them at PredatorFlyGear.com. Check out some A-Rex hooks. Man, I've been tying like a little uh, not-native-to-American person. 
<laughs> Filipino? Yes. Getting ready for the Beast of the East, man. I've been cranking them out. And you've probably been putting some Osdorff genetics on them. I have. I get them all from urbanflycompany.com. I also, even speaking of that with the Osdorff genetic, Jace, I was talking to Jace the other day. No, none of us hear him. You know, none of the guests Nobody else to, has talked yeah, to him. No, none of the guests <laughs> have got to talk to or hear from him for a while, but... He's get he like he's talked about he's getting into the beast of the east this year with a couple yeah. of our buddies Chris nice. Christopherson and um <coughs> Evans. He's like dude I've tied mus- I've been tying musky flies man. I mean he's got all the stuff he said mm-hmm. man he said some of the Alsdorf genetics he was putting on some of the big webby fiber you know yeah. oh man it's nice webby webby stuff he got going on there. Jace was pumped I could feel it through the phone. But also Sims Fishing you can find him at SimsFishing.com. And why not fishing? Check them out at whynotfishing.com and check out their app, The Dock. Yeah, they built for the wild. Booyah. Yeah, I hit Jace up the other day. I sent a message. They're there. There's fish there. <laughs> Sends back the place. They go, yep. Okay, I'll go tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. Oh, he was like, I was just there. So, has anyone else got the fever? The musky fever? I actually, even me, I have too. I've had it's it for like the last month. It kicked in. I'm ready, About man. A month ago. Once the cool weather really kind of, not that we really got hot, hot, but we had a little break there where it got 70s and then 50 in the mo- 50s in the morning, and then I made that trip with uh, Grassy, and then I was like, boom, yep, I'm ready, and I'm back. And, you know, there was a little lull there where it went back up in the oh, temps, and, and now it's just the last week. smoking smallmouth then, though. I mean, oh, this is, yeah. This, realistically, this last month to five weeks has been our whole season pretty much. This has been the best five weeks we've had fishing-wise because the whole year up to this point has been hard. High water, crap, blown. Oh, especially for the smallmouth fishing. Small as far as that season, it's incredible. it's been it was tough this earlier in the year and what, June and even mm-hmm. through July a little bit. And then finally we got a little lack of water, which we needed here because it seems like any time that we get a little bit of rain, our dam just let it out. It never got that three weeks solid of just dry weather for it to get the really low pool. Now, whatever rain we have doesn't affect the, them having to push the gates up as much. I'm sure the boaters on the lake like that, but the people below the dam... The boaters on the on the river don't. <laughs> the people below the dam don't appreciate it too awful much. No, I've had to spend a lot of time on a lake this year because of that. Other than breaking records the other day, did you end up going out? I don't want to talk about the other day. I didn't break one single record. I didn't even hit one. <laughs> My After we left here on Sunday night, mm-hmm. we went home. I was all prepped to break records and go hybrid fishing and maybe tie some musky flies and maybe clean my garage out a little bit. Then my son woke up at like 4 in the morning, threw up, stayed home from school. So we sat at home and watched Dragon Ball Z all day. <laughs> not not one record was broken. You know, I think <laughs> what you had the other day when we were fishing, I don't think that was just from the beers. No, it definitely wasn't from the beers. Yeah. It was like a bug. Yeah, because my wife woke up last night. Same thing. I mean, she was... Did you ask her how she got it? I know. I was <laughs> like, what were you, what, you were kissing Chad? I mean... We weren't together every day this weekend, but you know, I mean, I was wor- I was like, oh, she's like, yeah, it must have been a bug. It's going around. No one got it. Was she read? Was she better in like six hours, seven hours? She's feeling better a little bit. Like she's feeling better now. But yeah. This was like last night, middle of the night. Because see, when I woke up on, uh, it would have been Sunday morning. It was four in the morning, and I was 
kind of better by one. And when Nolan had it on Sunday night, he threw up at like four in the morning. And he was fine. He could have went to school at 8.30. It runs through them quicker. Yeah. Yeah, their their immune system's better. So they're they're uh, bigger, faster, stronger than us. Oh, and, you know, they don't you know sit around and beat the sh- crap out of their bodies on podcast nights. You mean they don't drink 85 beers a night? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was, I was getting at. <laughs> uh, by the way, this is a work night, boys. It says a work night. Oh, it's a work night for you guys every, every podcast night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess I'm the only one that has Mondays off. Yeah, their livers work <laughs> properly. Mm-hmm. I, uh, my wife was fine today. She, uh, there were a couple things that she had to go and do for me to get the, the cabinets that we put in the other day. Uh, speaking of just the kitchen real quick. Yeah. Uh, they had the wrong handles. The handles didn't match the knobs. Uh, Is that like the carpet not matching the drapes? Exactly. Yeah, one was, one was dyed. But, uh, no, rub bronze versus some... I don't know. Some sort of nickel. Brush pewter or some shit? I don't know. So, whatever. I'm sorry. I didn't even notice it. My wife's like, these are wrong. And I'm like, go tell that guy. (laughs) Don't tell me. (laughs) I can't do anything about it. Brush pewter? I'm sorry. I don't speak gay lingo. (laughs) This is what my wife said. I I don't I never even, I I work in, I I guess we don't do much brush pewter and construction work, but I never even heard of it. Before rub, what oil rubs bronze, right? Oil rubs bronze or something. Right? Before I even walked in your house on Saturday, your wife's like, "Are these the same?" I said, "They don't look like it, but whatever." So <laughs> <laughs> they're your cabinets, they, not mine. They look fine. That's they're your gonna look, problem. <laughs> they're gonna look really good for my house, is what you said, right? That's exactly what I said. Yeah, <laughs> that saying comes back quick. Oh yeah, that's like my favorite <laughs> saying in the whole world. Oh, I, I wait till you're on a roof. And say it. I was working in a house. Just around, you know, not really around the corner from my house. And, you know, I said, I live close, but I don't live that close. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to see it from my house. So, but other than that, yeah, she had to go. Our uh, flooring finally came in. Oh, booyah. Thank God. I would, almost was about to send Uncle Bob to that guy's house and get him some cement boots, <laughs> cement shoes. Drop him in I a know big a, musky hole. I know a couple deep spots in the river. Anchor won't even touch. He won't touch. So. so if that guy does end up drowning, don't come back on Jay. Yeah, please. <laughs> Did you see his old place turned into a dispensary? Yes, that was. He told us that was going to happen like last year. Dan and I stopped in to grab some flooring there, and he told us that was happening then. And then Hermitage is a little bit weird about it, but mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to slow that down at all. In the end, I don't know. I'd... But yeah, he, he had told us that that they they actually booted him out because that's what was happening. They were like, well, we'll just pay you like double the rent that he was going to pay, that he was paying. There you go. I used to work at that, that building. Oh, yeah, it was a coffee shop there for yeah. a while. Yeah, a uh, long time ago. I was a coffee maker. You were. Let me tell you how to meet some chicks. I'm staring at that. Work at a coffee shop. <laughs> I was going to say, some of the chicks that worked with you. I've stared at that building for eight years now. Worked directly across the street. Was it a coffee shop when you started, or was it no, the flooring? No. Um, oh, it was something different. It, it was, was a, something different. I can't remember now. What was that? Like some sort of a, a handyman store or something. Yes. Yep. Yep. That's it. But, yep. so we are recording this on a Wednesday night because our guest can't do Sunday, which means we have all day Sunday. We're going to do a little bit of a musky float? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I'm stoked already. 
you know what I I might uh, we might throw a little floatzilla together. Okay. I think that would even be fun. Since we're gonna have all day, why don't we just do from boat dock to boat dock? As long as I can get dropped off somewhere, cause I gotta go soccer. You can get dropped off halfway through mm-hmm. at the at the top end. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you wanted, if we wanted to do that, we can do that. That'd unless, be unless you guys want to float the top end. And are you talking boat dock like, like at the bar, mm-hmm. and then the boat dock like the town we live in? Yes. Okay. I thought the whole thing was to do up top. We could do up top. Point. We could. I mean, you can. I just figured. My dad was asking me to go, and a couple other people were chirping at me to go, and I'm like, oh man, we could just do the bottom end and all do it together and be fun too. Because then one boat can actually hit one side, the other boat can actually cast to the other side because it's all cut bank either way. It's all good water. And that's up to you. Mm. If you don't want to, I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying. That would be fun as well. I like the lower end for the musky stuff. I feel more confident, personally, just because I've seen them there. That's the bad part. I've seen more up top. That up top part, though. I've seen them at the the dam, and I, I know they're all through there. They have to be, but... That couple that came out of that stretch where that smallmouth came from. There's some giants in that spot. Whatever. Either way. We'll figure something yeah, out. Yeah, either way. We're, we're floating regardless. But So we're going to do two boats? We could, if you guys want. It's up to you guys. Like I said, if he wants to float the upper end. Boat dock to boat dock would be easier with mine. I know. That's, what I, that's <laughs> the only reason I said that. If we we're going to do more than one boat, that would make it more optimal for your boat. And either which way. I was talking to a dude that's from Sweden or Switzerland that lives in West Middlesex now and fishes the river every night. He's taught himself how to fish it only on our river, only on campground road. And I want to take him fishing one day, take him in the boat, show him the rest of the river and what we can really do with it. Oh, so he's just, he's just been under the other, at the other boat ramp basically and down through that area. Do you know where Nikki's parents live? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know yeah, who you're he, talking about. He's married to her. Yeah, I know. Who, I've worked with him. Yes, yes, I know who he is. Yes. Yeah. And he's been uh, fishing, so he wants to He wants to learn. I was like, oh, yeah, if we can get him out on the boat, that would be fun. And he's funny as hell. Just Great listen guy. to the dude talk. He, he's a Switzerland you know, accent, and accents make me laugh. <laughs> and even that, he's just, he's just a cool dude. He really is. He's a fun dude to talk to. He's he. he, he he was a dog trainer. Yeah, I was just going to say that he was a dog trainer for years. Sounds familiar. Like, I've heard of this guy. What the heck did Timo. they call it? Timo. That's his name. And actually, like, I think it's T-E-M-O. T-I-M-O. T-I-M-O. Yeah. It's not like, <laughs> not like, not like that's like a nickname or something like it's actually his real name. Because usually you hear somebody saying name Timo, you'd think is probably a nickname. Awesome guy, though. Yeah. We can get him throwing some feather and fur. I'm sure he would be. Very enthused to want to do something like that and hang out and drink a couple of beers. He yeah. fish at all with a fly? No. No. No, he, he throws Bait. gear most of the time. So, But he's catching smallmouth, and I told him, just focus on rock piles, man. You'll find them. You find a rock pile, you'll find 50 smallmouth. Mm-hmm. There's a couple right down in that local area, too. That Yeah, there is. Uh, the only place that you can get close to that river from that road is at their house. <laughs> a lot of it's posted. Yes. Yeah, I know uh, a girl I dated, she lived down there. Her dad posts at least 100 acres along the river, which is garbage. I asked him to hunt there. I was like, hey, you mind if I hunt? He said, yes. 
He was like, no. What are you doing to my daughter? Uh, no, not even that. I'm like, do you mind if my dad and I, just my dad and I, go back, you know, hunt? I'm not taking clans of people or anything. Well, you know, that only leaves like 50 acres for me and only like 50 acres for my wife. And like, I'm like, 50 acres for a person? Holy shit. That's, I mean, it's not a lot, right. but it is a lot. For the money he spent on that property or somebody did to inherit it down the line? If it was mine, there wouldn't be people going on there either. Speaking of 50 Acres, did anyone see the new uh, series that the Mediator's putting out? It's called The Back 40. They bought 67 acres in Michigan, and they're going to just do a series, like a YouTube series, on this 67 acres. And at That'd the sweet. At the end of the year, you can win a hunt with Mark Kenyon and Stephen Rinella. That would be awesome. It would be cool as hell. That's a cool... I, I mean... Their last series of DOS Boat's just been awesome. So I've, I can imagine this is going to be just as good. I've thoroughly enjoyed DOS Boat. As someone who has owned and fished out of shitty boats and adapted them to make them into the the best fishing vessels that we can make them be, DOS Boat is super inspirational. And I like seeing the, uh, the ingenuity that everyone has put into the boat. I haven't got to see it, so explain it's it to cool. me a little bit. They have a shitty 16-foot Alumacraft V-bottom, and they take it from Texas to Florida to Georgia. And what, they first started doing a redfish, and then they went tarpon and sea trout fishing, and then... All uh, in the ocean? Well, they did the bass trip there at the beginning, too. Oh, yeah, they, they floated bass. In Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. And Okeechobee. Yeah, April. So, like, everybody has got it along the lines, kind of added something to it or made modifications. Oh, and it's, just, it's moving along. Mm-hmm. They're oh, passing awesome. it along to different oh, people that's as very they go. Cool. Oh, awesome. And every person gets to add something to the Where boat. Where are you guys finding it to, fu- to watch it's on it? YouTube. It's on, on YouTube. YouTube. Oh, just look up Dos awesome. Boat. Awesome. Or that's Dos Boat cool. Mediator. It's their first fishing... Uh, Series. I watched a bit of the the stuff that they have like they had net on Netflix, like the actual meat eater. It was on Netflix and everything, right? I watched a lot of it. And that's it's mm-hmm. awesome. Like just a great series. They they they're always put everything together very well. And you like even when they're cooking everything that they shot at the end and everything that goes it that's such a cool thing. If I could plug some other podcasts, everything on the meat eater channel is awesome. But Cows Week in Review. If you have twenty minutes a week Listen to Cal. There's sound effects. It's funny as hell. And he's he's the best personality in the Mediator clan, I think. So that's that's my two cents. Yeah, definitely worth watching, though. Yeah, I'll have to put some time into watching that. And they're only 20 minute. The whole like episode is 20 minutes. No commercials. It's on YouTube. Just watch it at your leisure. It's fun. And like I said, there's 10 different anglers in five different areas. Well, this next show will probably be the last one, isn't it? I was thinking that, but it's the second episode with the same two guys. Oh, okay. So there might be a couple more left. And at the very end of the first episode, Ranella said, I hope I get the keys back. So we'll see if if it comes back around and goes to Michigan or something. If Ranella meets up with them. Oh yeah, on that uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a little break here and give Chris Willen a call. Yeah, man, my beer's empty, my bladder's full. I'm ready to take a break. 
Sounds so good. We'll come back with uh, Mr. Chris Willen. And we're back with Chris Willen. What's happening, man? Not too much, brother. Got home from garden. So you said you had a funny story about today. Can you uh, can you inform us about how your day went? It's not even funny. It's crazy. Uh, you know, we got a little bit of high water right now, so I like that personally. Um, I fished enough high water here to kind of know where they go and and what to do. So I, I, I welcome it. And we we definitely saw some muskies today. But the craziest thing that happened was we're fishing river left side. And he brings the fly in, kind of does this figure eight on the right-hand side, kind of brings it in front of the boat, all good. Does this turn kind of on the right-hand side. You know, he's satisfied, nothing's there. He goes to pick up the cast again. And the, there was a huge fish there. I, You know, we didn't see it. The water's pretty dark right now. And the fish kind of wheeled over and just had to go at my oar instead of the fly. <laughs> <laughs> that is an awesome story. Uh, we were just talking two weeks ago to... Stephen Weissner about that, and he said he'd never had a fish do that. I've had it happen so many times, and then I talked to uh, Lucky today, my buddy Brian, and because I texted him right afterwards because I've been in the boat with him when it's when he's been rowing and it's happened, and I've had it happen separately, and he's had it happen separately um, multiple times, in fact, and uh, so I texted him today about it and he said that he had one do it last week i hadn't been i hadn't been talking to him we've both been really busy so usually that kind of stuff we usually just like to joke around about together but you know and he he had a pretty good joke you know as far as conventional tackle fishing goes this is a great time of year for bucktails and blades so he goes well it is that time of year they're hitting blades <laughs> in that situation, do you try to, you know, do you do anything if you if somebody says they're following, do you pick your oar out? Do you do you do anything different? Yeah, um, I either take them out or I just leave them sit still. And uh, we were in a little bit deeper water, and I'm fish. I'm sure that fish just came in low and slow, and he didn't see it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I usually really like people to figure it as far away from my oars as possible just because they obviously do make noise and things. And he pretty much did that. I mean, he did everything right. It just, <laughs> as soon as he picked up, I did a quick quick back row just to keep us in the spot. And, uh, yeah, just bam, giant one, too. So did he, <laughs> did he switch to big he and did. black after that? Like your oar blade? Uh, I did, actually. <laughs> I switched to a big black and orange, and we went back up and gave it a few minutes and then tried to go back through. But, I mean... You know, it it took a bite of of an oar, so <laughs> not. I think it was a little spooked, but uh, it was a great big one, man. It was pretty cool, so, and he didn't see it or hear it or anything. And I just kind of did one of those, dude, and he uh, he knew immediately from my tone of voice, like time to turn around and flip the cast over there, and you know nothing happened. And, we were joking around as I was rolling back up to, to do it again. He's like, I knew right away just the way that your your tone of voice and everything when something just happened. <laughs> so when something crazy like that happens and it catches you by like surprise, do you try to shake the fish off the oar blade? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've, we've joked around for years about hanging flies off of them because it's seriously like, you know, Brian's been up here longer than me. I've been up here since 2011. It's happened a bunch. 
to have to hear you say that someone hasn't had it happen to him is mind boggling to me. Um, granted, I am out every single day, but you know, <laughs> I I've seen it happen so many times. We've made so many jokes about hanging flies off the blades and stuff like that, and <laughs> it's silly. So we uh we're kind of dubbing this our musky hype up episode. So uh, it, it's getting to be fall time, and the the leaves are starting to change, just barely down here at least. Uh, is there anything different that you do in the fall in compared to the uh, the summer season? In tactics wise, um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some some things that you, you need to do different. It, it helps to uh, you know know where the fish transition, right? So when the fall when the fall comes, the fish are transitioning into their into their fall zones. And so, you know, those type of spots will have fish in the summertime too, intermittently. But what happens is they stack up and you'll have multiple fish in those kinds of zones. So it's just important to, you know, fish those areas thoroughly and, and know that, you know, you've covered it well because it's, it's not like summertime where the fish can kind of be spread out throughout the river. You know, they can be in the riffle sections. They can be in the rapid. They'll be in the eddies. They'll be in the holes, you know, all that kind of stuff. They'll just go all over the place. <clears throat> but in the fall, you know, they, they really concentrate more. So um, I would say that I spend more time in fewer spots, you know, instead of just kind of going A to B on the river and fishing kind of everything, I definitely spot hop and, and, fish more specific zones and try to spend more of my time in those spots where um, I think they're going to be congregated. How about speed? Uh, speed? Well, right now, I mean, it's not, it's not like full fall mode yet, right? We've got, we've got leaves changing, you know, the water temperature's dropping a little bit, but um, so we're, you know, you're still mixing it up. We're having fish going on fast strips. We're having fish going on pauses. But definitely as the water temperature gets a little cooler, it, it pays to slow down. And uh, I was actually just talking to Larry about this the other day, you know. When we were tying just two hook flies and, and pretty simple stuff, we were a little bit more bold with that slower dragging on the bottom type fly scenarios. And now as you kind of get into flies that take so long to tie, you know, game changers and things like that, you're a little less bold with that. You know, you don't want to be hanging up game changers on the bottom. It took you an hour and a half to tie, right? So sometimes I'll switch the flies that maybe are a little bit easier. Um, you know, just kind of two hook, big two hookers or, two, you know, hook shank hook type stuff that, you know, maybe just doesn't take quite as long to tie. And if I lose it, it's not going to be the end of the world. Um, <clears throat> but it definitely pays to slow down. I definitely have a lot of fish coming out of the back of the boat in the fall. Um, just because they're doing that kind of upstream slow presentation and kind of grinding it more into their face. Uh, it's a lot more fun. I mean, everybody, would, I'm sure everyone would agree, it's a lot more fun to fish your fly up a little bit higher so you can you can see the eat and everything. But uh, as that water temperature drops, you know, you really got to kind of split the difference at, at the very least. And even going more towards the bottom is going to be a little bit more productive for you so you just mentioned your friend larry um how important is it to have someone that has the knowledge base of let's say a larry dahlberg to be a friend of yours and to to bounce ideas off of uh and it's 
you know, invaluable. I mean, it's just like the, it's, it's what the core, core group of all my buddies is all about. You know, I mean, we're just constantly sharing information and, and talking about, I mean, we all feel the same way about the fish, you know, Larry's been all over the world and he still just loves muskies more than anything. And I, I'm the same way. I mean, I haven't been all over the world by any means, but I, I do love muskies more than any other fish I've ever fished for. So it's like a, it's like a weird sickness. I don't know, maybe. And you kind of just commiserate together, but also, you know, share stories and, and things that you've seen. And a lot of times, you know, they'll just be talking about stuff and it's just like, you're, you, you've had the same thought before, you know, or you've seen the same things and it's just nice to see that it's not just you that the muskies hate. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all of us, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, having Brian around, fishing with Larry a bunch, Brian's been super busy. I, this is the least amount I've fished with Brian in years. And, uh, so it's, it's good to have somebody around to, to go fish with and, and stuff like that when I don't have, I don't have to row the boat. So, uh, it's good, man. It ought to be casting blast season for you guys now, isn't it? Uh, it's getting there. I think, you know, I don't do any of that really. Um, I don't, I don't hunt. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you partaked with Brian at all when he's done it. Uh, I've definitely been in the boat when him and my buddy Tim have, have shot, shot birds and yeah, uh, cool. last year <laughs> we had a great day where it's kind of funny there's a spot on the river and there's like a little slough back there and a little channel to get to the slough and there's always ducks back there and, and geese and things like that and there was all this mud coming out of the little channel and there was so many geese right there that i thought it was someone's spread <laughs> you know and i thought that all the mud was because they had just motored up into there right and I don't, like I said, I don't hunt, you know, I don't, I've shot birds before for sure with the, with the guys and stuff, but I mean, it's not something that I do. I'm pretty much tunnel vision all fall. And, uh, I'm like, Hey, put your gun down, man. I think there's people back there. And they're like, shut up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, and so we go in there and, and sure enough, dude, I mean, there's ducks everywhere, tons of geese and, uh, I don't know. Out of a, out of a whole heck of a lot of birds, my buddy Timmy shot a duck, a and duck. <laughs> <laughs> so a we duck. got a duck and a muskie that day, and it was kind of fun. Hey, that's better than no ducks and no muskie. <laughs> that's right, buddy. <laughs> so, um, one last Larry topic. Uh, I saw you guys caught a sturgeon the other day. Yeah, man. We uh, we had a really good day on opener. Um, we were sight fishing them, so we saw nine and caught three. Well, three uh, sturgeon. Yeah, so Larry and uh, our buddy Josh and myself went out. And it was really fun, man. I took the towie and we used the trolling motor and the push pole. So kind of just trolling motored around a little bit till you'd see one, and then I'd kind of just sneak up to it uh, with the trolling motor and then just kind of hold there with the pole. And those guys were, were flipping jigs. Larry made some awesome jigs uh specifically for it and we were using cup bait and uh sight fishing the man it was actually a lot harder than it sounds um because it's there's tons of current and an interesting depth so you, you really have to do your do your math right to get it in the right spot to swing down in front of them 
But it's pretty cool if you can get the jig to land in front of them, they'll kind of go up to it and suck it right in. And we had a blast, man. That uh, the one I posted was really big. That was the biggest one we caught, and then we caught one just a a little bit smaller, and then one just a little bit smaller than that yet. And uh, had a blast, dude. So but it, something different, you know, something we don't we don't do very much. And uh, you know, the season they keep changing the regs up here in Wisconsin. They had a catch and release deal, and then. Um, now you're only allowed to fish for them during season, and uh, obviously I don't. I have no reason to keep one of those big giant things. Uh, none of us really were into keeping it. We just wanted to catch them. So, so catch and release, and pretty cool. That one that I posted was actually legal, so we could have harvested that one, but yeah, no, no need for that, right? What is a really big sturgeon, or the one that you posted? How how big would that have been? <laughs> no, I I don't know how to gauge them. You know, I've only caught <laughs> just a few of them, but uh, I can tell you that I landed that one for Josh and grabbed it by the tail and picked it up into the boat and it was pretty heavy, dude. <laughs> and for anyone that's uh, listening and hasn't met Chris, you're a big dude for yeah. real. I mean, yeah, like a well, big strong dude. That, I had it by the tail and my arm <laughs> underneath it, and I was like, "Well, one of you guys come over here and help me." And Larry kind of shamed me into picking it up on my own. (laughs) You know, this is really smart. I'm going to blow my back out before I have to row like 60 days. Well, uh, you know, none of us have got to catch sturgeon either. Uh, How does one of those fight? Are they heavy fighters? Are they like a catfish type style? Is it just digging down or? You know, they're real situational, Um, or I guess not situational, but individual. Some of them fight like crazy and jump and go absolutely nuts. And some of them just kind of sit on the bottom. I've actually caught them on flies before with Schulte um, on a certain river that uh, that he fishes that they had a catch and release season a couple of years ago on. And we've caught them on flies even. And it's super fun. And uh, that's that's a really cool way to do it. If you can if you can sight fish them and you've got plenty of opportunities. Because, you know, sturgeon are really like a catfish in a way that catfish, I mean, you see people catch catfish on flies all the time. But sturgeon are a lot more, you know, they're they're smelling with those barbells they've got in front of their nose there, and it's actually forward to their mouth quite a bit. So they get over it, and they kind of taste it and smell it with that deal before they suck it in even. So to get them to eat a fly can be can be tough. Um, but it's pretty fun, man. And the one that I got on the fly was pretty gnarly. I was out of the boat, stalking it, hooked it, and it immediately left as soon as I hooked it, like went to the other side of the river, tons of backing. And I was just like, Mike, I think we got to chase it. So he rode me around and we got that one. Um, the ones we got the other day on, on Jake, uh, that, that great big one tried to jump. Uh, it just couldn't make it all the way out of the water. <laughs> a, a, just a blimp. And, uh, the other ones just kind of ran around a little bit. Uh, the one, jumped a little bit but that great big one actually gave us a pretty cool jump really close to the boat and kind of did a little spin and huge splash i mean it was we were just laughing i mean it was a blast so the one that you hooked on the fly when you were with schultze you had to have been smallmouth fishing right we were smallmouth fishing and we were seeing a lot of them and uh we kind of knew mike had been fishing there for a long time and he kind of knew like you know hey maybe we Probably might, might want to have a, a setup for sturgeon. And, okay, oh, so, so you did take did a bigger it. rod. It wasn't on like a six weight. It was actually on an eight weight. 
and uh, which was moderately undergunned, but uh, pretty <laughs> fun, man. I mean, you're fishing them with a pretty stout leader, and you know, a modern eight weight, you can put a lot of pressure on a fish. And that was actually an eight foot eight inch eight weight, so it was a little bit shorter, so it was even even more kind of a a down and dirty type deal where you could really pull on them. Well, since we're getting a little techie on rods, you uh, you had a little bit to do with um, R&Ding the G. Loomis musky stick, didn't you? Yeah, man, we uh, had a little had a lot to do with it. Actually, it was a lot of fun. It was uh, about a two season process, and I got to fish them uh, and kind of give my notes back and forth between Steve Ray Jeff and the whole team at Loomis, and and it was just really great. And those guys were really adamant on you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's on the stick and, and just getting everything right. So it was a lot of fun, and we ended up building two completely different rods. So uh, that's awesome because we don't see that a lot in fly fishing um, where you've got kind of a multi, uh, kind of a series with like you would in conventional tackle musky fishing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's pretty cool. The 11 weight is a little bit more of a everyday caster friendly, cast pretty much everything that you'd want. Uh, and then the 12 weight is a little bit more, I would say, advanced uh, with musky casting goes as far as that goes. So if you've been doing it quite a bit, you're going to really enjoy the rod. It's, uh, it's definitely able to throw every type of fly I've ever tried to throw on and even some silly silly stuff that i would call mood changers instead of game changers because you start <laughs> oh i know throwing them and maybe, yeah. maybe you're not as happy as you once were <laughs> i know all about those brother so so is this a rod that like loads like more mid flex or is this more like the tip flex like the new uh like h3 is no well the uh you know see the 11 weight flexes more deeply mm-hmm. and kind of is a little bit more forgiving and the 12 weight is a little bit more stiffer. More, <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word. But uh, <clears throat> it's it's more of a tip type deal. It definitely doesn't flex quite as deep and turns over just about everything. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of guys that, that have picked them up and have messaged me about it with um, asking about line pairings and things. And, and they end up using the 12 weight a lot because it's just a little bit, I would say more crisp, you know, if you're, if you're been doing a lot of musky fishing, uh, you're really going to enjoy it. It's uh, super accurate and pretty, the ease of casting is really nicely, uh, done with that stick. You know, it's just able to deliver the super big stuff and then your moderate and medium sized, large stuff too as well. You know, I mean, obviously if we can cast the big stuff, we can cast the smaller stuff, but, uh, man, it's been, it's been a lot of fun and it's really cool to have like, tools for the job now where you can be like you know this rod is good for all of these this rod is good for everything but it really excels with these super you know megas and it's just cool man i mean a lot of it too we went as far as to like make sure they don't fold in the figure eight so the the rod holds true in the figure eight you know you're not having a lot of flex and everything like that and the handle is, is completely different it looks a lot like the short stick handles and even um like the of blue waters from from a long time ago uh but we shaped it a little bit differently it's got a really 
really defined what we call the power button, which would be like the full well on the top. And I actually like to teach people to cast it like you'd cast a normal rod, forget the top part is there. And then I like to put the bevel in between my index and middle finger when I'm stripping in. So the line is going over the bevel. And what that does is it forces you to drop the tip of the rod down. So it decreases the chance of trout setting, we'll call it. And uh, it's just, <clears throat> it's also really comfortable. It just kind of sits in your hand really comfortably. And it, it takes away some of that death gripping that sometimes people have a tendency to do. Um, a big thing that, that I wanted to do with this rod and the guys wanted to do and everything that we talked about a lot was just what I talked about a lot with musky fly casting is the anti-fatigue factor. I want to be able to cast this thing all day and I want to be able to cast effectively at my last spot just as effectively as I would have at my first spot. You know, I don't, I don't want to be like sore wrists or elbows or shoulders. I mean, it's kind of inevitable, inevitable with musky fishing, but you know, everything that we can do to take that away is, is so important. Because, I mean, the fact of the matter is, whether you're in the greatest musky fishery in the world or just your backyard, it's a lot of casting. You know, I mean, it's all day brutal, brutal casting. So to have the the, the rod do the work for you, is, it's really nice, man. I mean, it's we're just so much further ahead than we were even just a few years ago with lines and rods and everything and just how much uh easier the 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 activity is um i don't know if the fish if that stuff's any easier but the uh actually just going out and doing it is just i mean exponentially easier so you know you just covered the rods very well what what rod what lines are you pairing with the rods and for you know what different kinds of fishing i mean um I, I'm a big SA guy. I like a lot of what they're doing and what those guys are doing over there in Michigan. It's uh, cool stuff. Um, you know, I fish everything on that rod from just the Titan Intermediate, Titan Floaters for some of the top. I don't fish a ton of top water stuff, to be totally truthful. What, what's um, your I grain weight, Yeah, the Chris. grains. Oh, the 11 weight's a 450, and the 12 weight, um, you can actually cast the 450 on it because the fly is so, you know, generally the fly is so heavy that it kind of takes up that extra 50 grains. But if you really want to rocket it out there, you can definitely put a 500 on that 12, and it's just a dream to cast. Um, fishing the tight intermediates, fishing the, the sonar triple densities a little bit, depending. Um, I really like those triple densities because you can really, like, fine-tune and dial in your exact, uh, like, program for the day, whether you're fishing the cover 2-4 or the intermediate sink 3, sink 5, or the sink 3, think five think seven you know for your really deep stuff or heavy heavy stuff so um that line series is like i call it the swiss army knife like you can do everything you want to do with those lines and then the, the new sonar musky which um you know eric myself gave a bunch of other guys worked on uh is pretty cool too um it's a it's a really cool line it's a little bit easier casting uh it's big it's it's a thicker running line um so it's situational as well i mean i i find that it's hard to just pick one line for for everything uh and you know we're fortunate enough i've got a few setups in the boat every day so we can kind of cycle through different rods and, and lines and things really dial it into the point where like okay this is how we're getting fish to move we're getting bites using you know the intermediate and stripping it slow 
or we're getting bites using the finger to the bottom super fast line and stripping it fast, you know. So you said um, Eric and Gabe worked alongside you with the uh, making the line or helping with the lines. Is that the same crew that helped with the rods? Um, Eric's on board with the rods now. He wasn't really around for the for the process of, of building them. Um, Gabe came in at the end and did some stuff with us too, so that was cool. He got to do some testing. But uh, at first it was just kind of me and the boys over there. Uh, Tom Larimer, who is awesome, awesome to work with, and obviously Steve Rajeff, who is another just pretty much household name in fly fishing. Yeah, he's pretty all right. Really, yeah, he's pretty good. Pretty good caster. <laughs> So, I mean, dude, honestly, Steve, I just with just a few emails back and forth and a little bit of chatting at ICAST and stuff and kind of knowing what what Rod Loomis has made before and kind of saying, okay, I want it. I like this, I like this, I like this, of this rod, this rod, and this rod. What I don't like is this and this. Um, we went through the first prototype we made. I didn't, we didn't, we didn't like it. Um, second prototype was like 75% right. Third prototype you know, a little bit more, fourth prototype, a little bit more, and then finally the final product. So it was it was quite a few um, deals with with testing and everything. And um, then we just decided, you know, like, hey, the 12 needs to be this and the 11 needs to be this, which was not the original plan um, with, with building the rod. You know, we were just going to make one taper and, and maybe two sizes. But we ended up making two sizes and two tapers, and it was just, like, so incredibly awesome that those guys were on board to do that because, you know, you don't see that very much. And, uh, you know, we've really got two really unique tools for trying to put muskies in the bag. So you had mentioned that the 12s handles the big uh, mood changers better, and sometimes during the fall you'd rather throw the, the double-hooked flies. Um what what's the percentage that you're throwing that the game changer style flies now to the the double hooked uh old old school musky fly um you know it it it's so dependent on who I've got in the boat you know if I've got somebody that uh musky fishes a ton you know they they generally want to fish the biggest stuff they can and and you know we adjust and go fish in places that maybe you have less of a shot at numbers and more of a shot at bigger fish. Um, and then if I've got people that are new to it, you know, it's just not fair to them to put them on a big old game changer right out of the gate. You know, it's a little bit easier to get them going on something uh, like one of Brad's flies or, you know, a double nickel or one of Eli's flies or something like that. Um, it's just more, more enjoyable. And, you know, they all catch fish. We've caught, you know, huge 30 pound plus muskies on single hook flies. So you don't, you don't always need to throw, uh, you know, eight articulated craziness to, uh, to get bites. It does help sometimes, but, um, you know, I, I, I guess the answer is it just, this really depends on who I've got in the boat and, and their ability and, um, how much they want to hurt. Cause, uh, <laughs> you know, for most of, most of those big flies, I mean, you know, Blaine's a genius, right? I mean, he's got awesome ideas and awesome, finds different materials and things that lick water and, and are way easier to cast. But bottom line is, I mean, you're going to put an eight, you know, eight section hook 
or eight section fly, it's not going to be easy, you know. So the uh, the stuff gets easier, you know. Every time Blaine's got a, a new new addition to the game changer family, it seems like becomes a little easier to cast. You know, those hybrids and those MGCs, the mega game changer deals, those are a little bit easier to cast than some of the original stuff that we were doing with it, which is big bucktail stuff and even putting the big spreaders in them. I've got one where we kind of originated the mood changer name. Uh was just like one of the first full like T-bone slash game changer deals where Blaine tied it and sent it to me and it was just body tubing through the whole thing and and it was just heavier than hell <laughs> a, a real a real chore and it caught fish it caught great fish and some really big you know upper 40 inches and, and stuff and it was awesome but i mean i remember one time i had laughter in the boat and <laughs> we were having a hard time moving fish and i tied it on for him and he's usually you know he's happy everything's good and then all of a sudden he was just surly as hell and I was like, give me that fly, dude. We're done with that boob changer. I'm going to put on some <laughs> And uh, so that's kind of where that came from. But, you know, um, it's uh, it's situational. It really is. So what are you and I, I, oh, to, to get back to that line stuff, um, you know, Gabe's working for Scientific Anglers now. He's repping for all those guys. He had a lot more to do with those lines than, than I did. I just kind of got prototypes and just said hey you know i would do this i would do this or whatever but he was kind of more on the ground floor of that than i was so what are you trying to achieve lengthwise i mean majority of it's what 12 inch range 10 12 inch yeah i mean that's cool um you catch a lot of fish on six seven eight inches too yeah um especially in the summertime and in the earlier season um dude late fall i mean i'd like to see some big stuff you know like as big as anyone is comfortable throwing uh i don't i i rarely fish small stuff but you know i had i think i talked to you guys about it before and just pops into my head <clears throat> uh we had a 48 and three quarter incher eat a optimus swine in late october a few years ago when i was doing that wounded warrior stuff and i mean that was just a massive big fat fall giant beast almost 49 inches and you know it ain't a six and a half seven bugs so you just it's plate it's more knowing where the fish are and putting the putting the fly in the right spot i mean than it is i think so, overthinking it and just thinking that you got to throw a 15 inch fly all day long i mean that's obviously a bigger target maybe a little bit more water displacement maybe a little easier for them to find but what yeah. flies do you, do you tie everything that you guys are using or are you getting flies from guys a lot you know asking use this see what it does blah 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 um i i tie most of the stuff that i fish uh i definitely fish some of eli's stuff though for sure um optimus swines and b1g fusas uh are a staple in my boat absolutely um i fish a little bit of matt stuff uh i fish some of his stuff more more so in the lakes than the rivers uh, but he's got some really great stuff. Um, I'm definitely not opposed to fishing other people's stuff. I've got some flies that Schultz's tied. Um, I've got some really cool flies that Larry tied for me earlier this year um, that I really enjoy, and they're very easy to cast, and uh, those are pretty fun to fish. But I would say, you know, that all that being said, I, I fish majority the stuff that I tie. I fish a lot of double nickels. 
and um, and stuff like that. How often do you get uh, clients that come up that want to fish your own flies? Um, you know, a fair amount, and I'm totally cool with that. Uh, as long as they're getting to where they need to be and they're moving correctly, um, I'm I'm totally fine with people fishing their own flies. A lot of people want to. You know, they tie them and they want to catch fish on stuff they tied, and I'm all for it. Uh, you know, if we're struggling and not seeing fish and anything, I might suggest to try something that that I've got that, that I know has worked in the past or something. But I get a lot of guys that want to catch stuff on their own side, and I think that's great. You know, I'm, I'm totally for it. You can't blame them one single stinking bit. <laughs> no, no, it's awesome. You, you've Sometimes co- they, uh, they bring flies and they, they don't go home with them. <laughs> hey, this is a tip right here, right? <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I, I sure like to have this. This is nice. <laughs> so, I know you got your own color combo out there, but what's your uh, what's the favorite colors? What's your go tos? Oh man, you know, I uh, I really like to fish that yellow, white, and black a lot. It's uh, it's really hard for me not to have that going, just because I've seen so many fish eat it. Um, so if I've got two anglers, generally one of them is throwing that color combo, but, uh, one fly that we were fishing today, fly that we've caught a lot of fish on, um, that I was not sold on in the beginning is, uh, Eli's pink lemonade combo, which is that bright pink and bright chartreuse ultimate warrior. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shaking the upper loud rope. As, yeah. Loud as hell. And, uh, you know, I always used to kind of be like, dude, I don't know about that. And then of <laughs> course it started, it started being hot for us and I had to eat crow on that. And you know, I like to give me a hard time about that, especially when I call him up and tell him I need some more of it. You know, Oh, sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a good one. Um, orange and black started to beat up here, dude. You know, I mean, it's just, it's kind of a staple and, and something that, that is just kind of a commonplace color scheme for the Northwoods, especially in the late season. Uh, but, I mean, they all work. Lucky's a big chartreuse guy. He loves chartreuse. I don't fish it very much, and he sure catches a lot on it, you know. Um, so well, I think it's just kind of what you're confident in, and it's kind of what you're going to have on, right, and that's what you're going to see get, get eaten. I think uh, color is usually the last last thing that you need to worry about really it's a lot more about water displacement and and depth than it is color so you get to see a lot of different water with tannic up in wisconsin then you know obviously when you get down to um, the southern water you get really clear and really dirty how much does all that change i mean are you looking let's say like if that that southern water dirties up are you just pretty much just going to go big black and whatever pushes as much water as possible then well, you know, truthfully, when the water in Tennessee just completely blows out, I just don't even go. Uh, it's really, really tough. And a lot of the stuff in Tennessee that we're doing is motoring around. So if I can't see, I, I don't really feel feel safe either. Um, so when it gets really, really muddy, I'm just out. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not into that. But, uh, you know, Tennessee's got phases, right, where it's kind of a chalky green and it's kind of a clear green. And then it kind of goes to a blue green and then a blue and then just a clear. You know, it's a lot to take in there. But I mean, that's kind of the, from blown out to, to clear is kind of, that's how it goes. 
And definitely when it's more chalky green or, or a little bit dirtier, um, the darker colors helps for sure. And then as you get into really clear, the more naturals um, is really important. And, you know, up here, even when it's, when it's lower and it's clear, it's still tannic, but it's very clear. And I'm, I'm very into natural colors then and, and less about flashiness and, and things like that. And sometimes I'll fish flies with zero flash, like just none at all. And when it's really low and clear and that's, that can help sometimes. Um, and the other times when it's, uh, really, really, really high and I mean, we don't really get like blown out, blown out up here like other places, but it definitely gets dirtier and, you know, darker colors can help, you know, kind of your typical, <clears throat> typical deal there, you know, no, I don't have any magic or anything for you. <laughs> <laughs> so if like, you get a follow, and uh, this all goes to the fly. Uh, fish comes in, you know, doesn't doesn't react to everything. Will you switch flies out and go to a different fly? We talked to Stephen Weisner the other a uh, couple weeks ago. He said he goes to a small black fly right after that. Deeper, darker. What did he say? Something deeper, darker, something smaller, slower. Smaller, deeper, darker. There you go. Do you do Just anything like, like that, or do you do you stay with the same <laughs> fly, or what? You what your after you get a follow, what do you do? I've seen it happen both ways. Um, I've definitely gone back with the same exact fly and got the fish to go. Um, I am a big fan of going to a smaller uh, fly and that's weighted, so you can kind of drop it right in front of their face. I never go black, personally. Because um, you'll never go back, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just, you did not I, go I there. Come on. This it, is a guess. You know? <laughs> and if I can't see it from the rower seat, it's really hard for me to help the guy in the front know when to set the hook and things so i'm a i'm a big fan of white uh bright bright white i i use a lot of uh the river pig fly brad's river pig fly when i when i have a situation like that it's kind of a plowser popovic love child and uh i really like that you can you can drop it right on their nose and you can kind of what i find is they kind of go back to where they were kind of go back and get into their little spot wherever their little spot was um but you know the success rate on that is not always great it, it, either way whether you go with something different or or a uh, the same exact thing and you know it's six to one half dozen the other on in my opinion whether you give them 10 15 minutes to reset and go back to them or if you just immediately go right back to them i mean i've seen it work both ways and i've definitely seen it not work both ways so um you know the key i think is to just be i know this is going to sound ridiculous and i know that going into it so bear with me oh we we definitely won't ridicule you chris but the the key is to just when you're in a zone that you just know there's a fish or you think there's a fish you just have to be fishing and you have to be ready and you have to know that i have a really high odds of getting a follow in this area so i need to be doing my transitions sooner i need to stick that rod in the water before the fly is to the boat so i'm not spooking the fish by sticking the rod in the water you know there's there's a lot of things that you can do to greater your chances of getting bit and not having to go for round two because round two i i mean you know more power to them if you, if you can get it done but i see a lot more success if you can get them to go right away rather than trying to go back and, and then refish to them. Um, 
they're smart, man. I mean, they're, in my opinion, anyway. I mean, I think they're pretty smart. And they're, they know when there's a boat around. And let's say you do get a fish come up to the boat side. What what do you teach your the person on the bow? What do you teach them that they should be doing to get a boat side? Uh, so I'm big on hand where your hands are on the rod. You need to have the line in both hands. Mm-hmm. You need to have your, I mean, if you're right-handed, your left hand needs to be on the fighting butt with the line in your hand. Your right hand needs to be at that bevel with the line in your hand. You need to have the correct amount of line out. And your first turn, absolutely, without question, needs to go downstream. Has to. Has to, has to, has to. Because they eat it so much more when the when it's fleeing downstream rather than if it's going back upstream to my boat, into my oars, etc. You know, and even just the act of it turning upstream, I've seen fish scoop off before. It absolutely has to. I'm very, very adamant on that your first move needs to be a downstream move. And especially if you're in the front of the boat, then you've got that whole front area, right? You've got no boat, no grumpy guy with the oars. It's like you're, you're <laughs> golden. You've got all that area and you, you can do all kinds of cool moves and stalls and hangs on turns. You can dig it down deeper. You can bring it up higher. Um, direction changes and level changes are huge. And I really want to see people, most of the time, you know, you've got the tip of the rod in the water to some extent anyway. But once that fly is eight feet, nine, ten feet away from the boat, that's when it's time to put the rod in the water. Because you don't want to be shoving that rod into the water when the fish is right off your rod tip. Because sometimes I don't like that, you know. So it's just... It's knowing that you need to figure eight and it's doing the figure eight, you know, without, for lack of a better term, not half-assed. You know, if you half-assed a figure eight, it's not good. You know, you're kind of, the fly's dragging on the surface. It's not doing what it needs to do. If your rod is in the water, you bring that fly in, you go downstream with your turn, you come up, bring it up high on the outside turn, then dig it back down on the inside turn when you get closer to the boat. That's important. Keeping it deeper when it's closer to the boat and then bringing it up higher when it's away from the boat. All that stuff, you know, you want to think, you don't want them to see the boat, right? You don't want them to look at the boat. You don't want to know a boat's there. So when you're at the boat, be deep. And then when you're away from the boat, that's when you can kind of get them to kind of look up and maybe come up and grab it when you're doing that outside turn. Um, but figure eighting with a fly rod, is difficult and even more so when they eat it it's difficult to hook them um you know there's a different there's a few different schools of thought with the whole thing do you go back into Uh, the face i i try to go towards the tail so like wherever you know they eat it going left i'm trying to pull back towards and towards the tail ideally i make that little shithead do a headstand or (laughs) go back over the top Cause then I got them, you know, like you, you make them turn you and you kind of break them, you know, like they're kind of just like, Oh shit. <laughs> so, they break their will. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's more like that. Now I've seen old lucky, you know, he's, he's a pretty, he's a pretty cool customer. He, uh, he can wait. I mean, he will sit there and wait for them to like try to swim away and then he'll get a strip set on him. Like I've seen him, 
with great big ones, just eat the fly where I would be just shitting, like trying to figure <laughs> out which way to pull and set the hook on that thing. And he'll just kind of sit there and wait for a second, that extra half a second, and then, wow, he's got a perfect strip set. It's just like, <laughs> man, I don't, I don't know how you did that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, guess- I had one in Tennessee with that kid where he is figurating a giant fish. He turns around and says, oh, F, yeah, and then sets the hook. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, did you celebrate before you even set? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, how, how you do that? <laughs> so, I mean, there's different schools of thought to it, you know? I mean, I've seen just straight up rod setting as hard as you possibly can, trying to blow the rod up on a rod set both sides, and sometimes that'll keep them pinned enough to put them in the bag. But, uh, you know... It's tough. I don't. I don't have a magic answer for that one either. It's so situational. You kind of got to read the fish in whichever way they're going, and try to do the best you can to do some sort of non-rod bending set. So, do you ever do the double-handed strip? Sure. And how how do you smoothly go into an eight from the double-handed strip? Because I can't. <laughs> uh. Well. I I, I normally transition to a single hand, like halfway through the cast. Yeah, uh, you could do that. Otherwise, I just drop it out of my out of my armpit into my hand and just kind of go into it. Yeah. And it just kind of isn't isn't super pretty, probably. But um, it's called practice, I Chad. <laughs> pull, pull my, you know, open up your arm a little bit, let that rod fall into your hand, and just done it a billion times. So you kind of just know where your hands need to be, and you just kind of go into your transition. And, and that's a really if you have a fish come in two handing you're obviously the fly is moving very quickly. The odds of them eating it once you do that outside turn is pretty high. Um, Cause it's, they're tracking it going quickly. The fly is going quickly. So that's a trigger right there. In itself is something moving away from them fast, which then makes them accelerate. But then that fly is going to do a big outside turn. And that's their one opportunity of the whole cast, right? Because the whole time the fly is going one direction and it's going that way quickly. But when you, when you bring it into the boat, and then inevitably it's going to do that a little bit of a slow, so you've got a speed change, and then you've got a direction change, it's almost like a double trigger. And I see a lot of fish get caught on that transition from two-hand to figure-eight, for sure. But, you know, that's how we caught all the fish, actually, uh, throwing it back to the hardly strictly with Blaine and, and Schultz. Every single fish we caught was two-hand. So when you guys went on a tear in, what, the last couple hours there? Yeah, well, I always think that's so funny because we really didn't fish very hard all day. And then we kind of got into a a window and it was just like, oh, we should try for a little bit. And uh, <laughs> we ended up doing pretty good. But it was uh, it was just, you know, we just luckily we were in the right spot at the right time. And, and, and they started biting. So speaking of that, um, you get yourself a new towie. What's some of the new additions and what's kind of been going on with the new towie boats? Um, you know, I keep mine pretty much the same. Uh, I really like the, just the, the layout that I, I built with it. It's just a, like just the, the front deck, you know, I've got the deck that goes from the, from the bench forward and then, uh, just the standard Calusa back end with the, 
three quarter hatch that goes over the bilge well and everything else is pretty wide open. Um, I pack a lot of junk into that thing when I go fishing. <laughs> so I like to have that big wide open area. You know, I've got a big box from, from just in case in there that I sit on now instead of the, the cooler. And then, you know, inevitably you've got a cooler in there and, you know, fly boxes and everything else. So there's a, uh, I just like the openness and I like everything that I have in there. I want to be able to stand on. So like the Yetis, the just in case, even the, the go box thing from Yeti, all that stuff. I want to be able to stand on it because I, I'm either going from the back of the boat to the front of the boat, dropping the trolling motor. I'm going from the back of the boat to the front of the boat with the net, trying to net somebody's fish. And I don't want to have to be like navigating the, the stuff. I want to just be able to, you know, 250 pounds of, angriness stepping on it you know <laughs> are you always but, uh, con- oh i was gonna say are you always controlling a boat with a motor do you do any drifting with uh drift boats or is it always straight lay out of toys and with you know no i've got a hide skiff and then uh with the toe i've got the rowing frame for it which i use most of the time um the trolling motor i use on the lakes uh and sometimes if i've just got one guy uh, I might fish along with them or something and then use the trolling motor. But I row it um, quite a bit, too. You know, I've got, most of the time, we've got two customers. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be doing something in the middle. So you you do uh, cater to uh, gear clientele as well, correct? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, this is all I do, man. So all I do is, is guide. So I, uh, I got to do it all to keep the lights on, you know. I'm I'm just saying how how much different is a day with a gear guy compared to a fly guy? Um I'm I'm sure you're fishing the same waters, right? A lot of times. Um you know, I bounce around so much though, dude. I try not to fish the same stretch of river more than once in a week. So we bounce around a lot. You know, we're just lucky we've got so much water up here to to play with. So there's there's a lot of opportunity to go and, and do stuff. The the biggest difference I would say with the gear and the fly is the ability to just cover more water you know it it matters a lot less where the boat is and how fast the boat is going with conventional tackle because you're able to make you know three to one casts compared to the fly um covering more water and there's just a lot less dinking around you know there's not tangled fly line on this or this or that or whatever so it's just kind of like you're just really going pretty fast. It's a, it's just a much quicker paced day than than fly fishing. Fly fishing, you slow down a lot more. You're you're really methodically picking spots apart because you've got a fly. You don't have a thing that's making noise or or creating vibration or anything. So I feel like I need to put two or three casts at a spot with a fly to be really convinced that I showed it to that fish and I'm you know we had a good shot at it. Whereas with a bucktail or topwater bait, you know, one cast in there, and I'm pretty satisfied that the fish would have moved if it was there. Um, Do you see many differences in number-wise of uh, fish moved between the gear and the fly? It goes back and forth. Uh, Some days are really good on flies, and some days are really good on gear, but it's really hard for me to say, like, because I, I very rarely have, like, a guy throwing fly and gear. That's really hard to do. So, you know, if you have a really good day gear fishing, I'm always wondering in the back of my head, like, man, can we 
I mean, we would have gone on Friday. But, you know, I mean, that's just <laughs> yeah. devil's advocate, you know, classic. You know, you're always thinking about the other side. But, um, I, you know, honestly, dude, I enjoy it. I enjoy seeing the, seeing the gear and the flies. It just keeps everything fresh. And I'm musky guiding a, a lot here in Tennessee. So oh, yeah, it's man. cool to just see, see other stuff and, and everything. And I get a lot of ideas from lures. So, you know, you're just like, oh, I like how that's doing this. I how do I get a fly to do that? And, and things like that. So it's cool, man. And you learn. You learn a lot with that gear rod. Like just moving fish, seeing fish, and then... You know, it's it's the same as flies. They don't always eat it. You know, they follow it, whatever. So the advantage to that is just that, you know, I've got a lot of addresses. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's nice to be able to go down the river and say, okay, I've seen, you know, a fish in eight spots on this nine miles today. And then I've got a bunch of other spots that I know are good musky spots. I mean, I've seen a fish there recently, but. You know, it's, it's just, it's nice to know that they're there. Proof of existence, Larry would call it. And it's just like, uh, you know, nice to know they're there and, and know that you're fishing to them. You know, with the fly, I feel like a lot of times, because it's such a subtle presentation, they do follow it lower and slower, you know. And with with gear lures, it seems like they, when they follow it, they're a lot closer to it. Um. Like, on a bucktail follow, I mean, sometimes they're right on it, you know. With the flies, I feel like they come in late a lot more. So, it's just it's just nice to know that they're there and so that you can do that extra turn, one more figure eight, one one more run through this little spot where I, I know there's a fish. You know, Sometimes that second, third, maybe, time through a spot is when you actually get the fish to eat. It's not always on that first time through. So... It's important to methodically cover that with that fly, like really, really well, and then really, really well again, just to make sure. So, is there any way you can divulge a secret that you've learned from a uh, from one of your gear lures that you've incorporated into a fly? Well, um, one of my all-time favorite conventional tackle lures is called the Hardhead. Uh, Phantom Lures owns it now. A good friend of mine named Roger Waters invented that beat. And uh He wasn't in Pink Floyd? Different Roger. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and it just it's it's a really unique bait and it just it's uh it's got interchangeable weights so you can you can vary the depth and it kicks out to the side really good. It's got a soft plastic tail. And just how that thing kicks out and hangs, it's the most you know, that like a bulldog, a medusa things like that, things that have the ability to hang a little bit before they start to fall. Medusa more so than a bulldog will hang more than it falls. Those are very much like flies, in my opinion. And also glide baits, because they kind of bop, bop, bop. You know, Eli's Optimus Swine is the most glide bait-like fly I've ever seen. It's the most walk-the-dog, consistent-style fly that I've ever used. And, And that reason right there is why that fly kicks ass you know it methodically walks the dog back and forth and it just gets them to go you know you're showing them that side profile every single strip that's awesome so that's great i mean that 
<clears throat> that right there, Eli hit a, a grand slam. Um, so that's that's a really closely related year and fly deal. Um, you know, the other thing that you just learn from it is, you know, if you're fishing rubber baits and you're, you know, almost making contact with the bottom to get bites, then you know that you need to slow down and get that fly down deeper. Otherwise, you're not going to get bites. You know, a lot of what we what we want to do with fly fishing is see and meet it, right? That's, like, so cool. And part of the reason that you musky fish is to see and eat that fly. But that's not always what's going to get you eaten. You know, you got to fish it a little bit deeper sometimes, and I think that's something that the lures really excel at. Um, you know, a lot of them are fishing down a few feet. So that's kind of something that kind of a dot connected is just like, okay, we got to just get these things down a little bit deeper and, and be a little bit more bold fishing through the wood and stuff. So I have a question for you about the Optimus Swine. You said it's the ultimate walk the dog glide bait representation. Eli ties it awesome, correct? Yeah. Can you copy it and make it do the same thing? I don't even try, brother. Yeah, Lord knows I can't do it either. Yeah, I don't even try, man. Eli does such a good job with that thing. Um, I would just assume spend my time tying the flies that I I tie well and uh, throw Eli some bones and, and pick them up from him because it's just I know they're going to be good. And why why waste my time tying something that's not going to work? You know. Anymore, I'm with the sa- I'm the same way with you, man. Yeah, he perfected it. He made it. He knows how it should work. I just talked to him today, and uh, he's moving, man. And uh, closer so to you? Like up- no, no. I wish <laughs> he he. Uh, so he's like uprooted his tying room, and it's like the worst time of year for a guy that ties almost primarily musky flies these days to be tying roomless. So. Uh, I'm a little nervous. I haven't put my fall order in yet and falls here. I'm probably screwed, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> probably, probably only going to get the fish that Eli flies that I have already. No new ones. Yeah, man, you'll have to pick up the, what, the Michigan show he's normally at. Yep, yep. You have to go get him really like the cool. commoners. <laughs> <laughs> I always have fun at the Michigan show. He always brings cannolis and donuts, and we have a fondness for pastries. um uh, you know we were talking do you find are you finding fish we were talking a couple weeks ago uh with another guest you are you finding fish in the riffles we were talking about double hand and uh even burning bucktails i know that works for the riffles really well do you find fish in the riffle sections of the river you're fishing absolutely uh that's a time of year thing for sure um, and what's nice is when they're in those sections, they're usually pretty aggressive. So it's really fun to catch them in those kinds of things. Does that seem and, to be like uh, a what, pre, pre-fall transition? Yeah, summertime too. Um, they're definitely in rapids and riffles and stuff like that in the summertime when it's real hot. Yeah. Uh, I've been finding a lot of fish in wood lately. Um, you know, that's one of those things too where you could just say, that all year, you know, muskies enjoy hanging in cover. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, the riffle stuff is fun because they're, like I said, they're aggressive and they're biting and, and it's pretty cool. Uh, and you usually get some kind of acrobatic 
uh, type deal. I was fishing with a guy. I don't think it was last week. It might have been uh, the week before. And we had a fish come out of a little bit of an eddy through out of the eddy into the riffle. There was like no water, dude. It was like all rocks. And this fish like negotiated the rocks to eat the fly. It looked like, you know, you see those videos of salmon running upstream where half their backs out of the water. It was like that, but a, but a muskie eating a fly. And he hooked it, and then it was just going nuts, and ended up rolling, rolling off, and, and spitting it. But we were both just like, "All right, that's pretty cool." Holy shit! That's freaking awesome. That was a pretty gnarly fifteen seconds right there. So, and that I, was part of a, a, a about a forty-five minute bite window we had, where it was just like fish, 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 every spot we pulled into, and it was just really. Yeah, so I like mm-hmm. I got a question for you. Less about the fish and more about the people fishing with you. Coming this time of year, is there anything different that they need to do? Do they need to dress differently? Are they wearing hoodies in the morning? Or I I don't know what the Wisconsin fall is like compared to the the Western Pennsylvania fall. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, this time of year, I was wearing shorts and just a sun hoodie all day. Um, intermittently putting the rain gear on and off, but, um, as, as we start transitioning here, it's, I mean, dude, I'm living in long underwear and, and fleece and, and the pro dry suit. And I mean, it's every day boots, thick socks, hats, stuff. The one thing that I personally cannot live without, I really cannot is my Merino wool buff, man. Like if I don't have that thing, like my neck's cold, my face is cold. I'm crying, my skirt's blowing up. <laughs> Grumpy. <laughs> so that's that's one thing that I think is really important. The back of your neck gets cold, you're done. You know, I mean, you're cold for the duration. Um, that's really important. Another thing that's really important is just staying dry. So waders, pro dry bibs, whatever you're going to wear, uh, make sure that they're they're not leaking and. And they're good to go. Uh, that stuff's really important. I personally don't like waders. Um, for where we're at, if I'm getting out of the boat, it's usually in pretty shallow water. So I wear waders almost every day in Tennessee. So I don't, I don't love them up here. Um, I like to wear either a muck boot or like one of those, the Sims boot and, and a, and a bib just to be more comfortable. Nobody likes wearing waders. I mean, let's be honest. No, I hate them. So, yeah, everybody hates them. They smell horrible. Maybe that's just mine. I I will tell you one thing. My my own personal preference. I love to be barefoot on a boat because yeah, you know you can feel the line under your feet. How hard is it going from being barefoot to having to put the muck boots on? Or yeah, dude, that's absolutely a thing. Um, and sometimes I'll have guys fishing in their waders with no boots on. And, you know, they can feel the line a little bit better, and that's cool. But it's definitely line management is a thing um, that you got to be conscious of. I'm just, you know, if you don't dance around, you're good. Just keep your feet planted. Don't move. Strip strip the line and drop it. Don't throw it. And you kind of make a nice big coral pile next to you. And as long as you're not dancing around with your feet, you're, you're good, man. And I'm a... I'm a sand filler, you know, I don't, 
I don't want people moving their feet around, especially when you're in waders or big muck boots or whatever. You're you're a lot less uh, nimble, I guess, and quiet. So you know, you pick up your your big old size thirteen wader boot and then move it and set it back down. Boom, and there's a fish right there. Well, guess what? That thing's gone every time. You sound like so. you'd be a lot of fun at a wedding. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but we we also call that the double hall shuffle. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, it definitely is inevitable. But, um, dude, so from the rower seat, you see a lot, right? You see a lot of things happen on a daily basis. And when you're doing the double hall shuffle and you're shifting your weight from left to foot to right foot, moving all around. You're rocking the shit out of the boat. You're pissing the guy off rowing, for sure. Yeah. And you're blowing a wave at the bank. And that's not good. Because they're going to feel that. And now something's different. You know? And now I'm about to try to eat something. But wait, something's just not quite right. And that can be the difference between the fish following and the fish eating. And I really, truly believe that. If you're, if you're bouncing around in the boat and you're blowing a big wake or wave or whatever to the, to the bank. And I'm watching the, the waves go into the eddy that we're trying to fish this beautiful, calm eddy that we're trying to throw into. And now it's got waves in it. I don't like that. You know, I don't, I don't think that your chances are as high as they would be as if things were normal. And now all of a sudden there's food there for them. So Chris, we've, we've covered a lot of areas tonight. Is there anything that we've we've missed? We gear fished our way through this podcast. Yes, we've covered we, we've covered the water. <laughs> we, we really a, did. We get a lot of points and we hammered away. <laughs> <laughs> I know that probably hurt some of you guys. You're like, oh, we gear fished it. Uh, not not one uh, bit. Mm-mm. Not one. You know what? Myself, I literally watch as many in fishermen as I can. I watch every gear bit because there's always something you can pick up on. There's always something you well, can learn from it. And it's just absolutely. It, it, it can always benefit you. Absolutely. And it's still fun I'll to catch a muskie even a on gear. Of my good fly fishing friends with the gear rod, to be honest with you. <laughs> so it it, uh, it happens. Um, man, I think we covered it pretty good. I I think the uh, you know the bottom line out is uh, you just got to go. You got to be out there. You got to put in the work. You got to make the cast. And when it's uh, when it's when you're in that spot, man. Be ready, you know. Tell your your strip club story later, and <laughs> and be ready for that that fish to to go because they they don't don't give you a lot of second chances, you know. Well, I know, man. Amen. <laughs> they're there, then they're gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I just see it a lot. I really do, and it's it's heartbreaking more sometimes for me than it is for them. I think when. When you have a big muskie come in and, and it doesn't quite connect, uh, nobody wants people to catch fish more than me. But it's just it's just those little tiny tiny things that that make the difference between the following and eat. You know, I teach a lot of okay shoot. You know, so like when you're when you shoot the line, you you kind of make the okay symbol with your hand, and the line stays in your hand instead of completely letting it go, and maybe it get wrapped around the fighting butt, wrapped around the reel. That first strip is so important a lot of times. Hmm. So just little things like that, correcting that and doing that downstream turn first 
it's just little things, putting those little pieces of the puzzle together to make it all come together because let's face it, there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to musky fishing, even more so with musky fly fishing. And just the more that you can make those little things like muscle memory and things that you're just going to do without even thinking about it, the better off you're going to be and the more prepared you're going to be. And, and just having everything right, man, holding the rod right, being in the right position, not not dancing around, all that stuff comes into play. You know, the, the biggest disconnect that we see is the strip set, right? The fish eats and we don't get them. And the reason why that happens a lot is because there's, the bites are few and far between. So you're, you get into this mode of just casting and stripping and, you know, you kind of almost forget that something's supposed to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And that thing happens and you're not ready. And, you know, I mean, it happens to me. It happens to everybody. You know, and, and it's just, that's tough, you know? So I think just, uh, you know, as much as you can try to just be nose to the grindstone when you're out there and just really point your rod tip at your fly and keeping your head down and being ready for that fish to eat. I mean, I've blown fish this year that I was just like, why? Why? Like, you know this is a good spot. What are you doing? <laughs> you know? So it's not letting the monotony of musky fishing get to you and and uh, and just being ready all the time, as silly as that sounds. No, we can all crack a beer of that. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, Chris, I have one more big question for you before uh, before I have you hit your plugs. Are you going to have any more of those Wu-Tang stickers out anytime soon? Man, I would love to. Uh, my buddy Dave Hostler over at Pilecast made those for me. And uh, I think he's got something wrong with his sticker machine or something. But uh, you're not not even the first person to ask me that today so uh today <laughs> I, would, I, would love, I would love to have some of those before Giza and Riza and the rest of those guys see my ass you know oh dude with the Wu-Tang saga going on now on uh Hulu those those stickers be flying like hotcakes <laughs> have you seen the eyes no yeah the dude over at Dead Meat Customs made me some Wu-Tang eyes so all my double nickels have the Wu flying. Oh, dude. That is off the chain. <laughs> we came never, into Wu Tang Clan. I never clan. say anything. I always try to just let people notice it on their own. And some people obviously have no idea. What What's this W? Is. is this for Chris? The <laughs> <laughs> uh, when people get it, it's like a really. They're just like, dude. It's like always the same. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Those are Wu Tang guys. <laughs> <laughs> so chris where can i if someone has the time and you have the time where can someone go book a trip with you uh just the website chris um instagram pw guide uh i can't even tell you last time i was on facebook is that still a thing i don't it, even know i think it was in may because I, I looked today <laughs> so uh, stay on insta the, the two ways to get a hold of me. Um, unfortunately, I'm pretty booked out for for this year. Uh, I've got some stuff going in Tennessee. Uh, we've got a bunch of shows and stuff over the over the off season. Hopefully, uh, get to see some new faces and and, and meet some people. And uh, man, I just encourage everybody to go out there and have a good time and be safe. Musky fishing. Uh, make sure you got your hook cutters, your draw spreaders, your long pliers, your big net, 
and something that I don't see a lot of fly guys carry. I just said it, but hook cutters is important. Um, you know, I know you like those flies. I like them too, but cut that hook if you can't get it out right away. It's really important that you get those fish back as fast as you can. Um, I know everybody wants the big, cool, musky picture. Really, really important that you don't overhandle these things and uh, be really safe with them. Uh, get out of the boat, please, as much as you can. Um, holding them over the boat is a little dangerous. I know that's silly, but you know I've seen some hit the deck before, and it's a real bummer. So hold them over the side of the boat or getting out in the water with them. Um, I, I, I love seeing that. I think that's fantastic. Uh, and just, you know, having a good time and, and please use wire also, uh, another hot topic amongst certain anglers, but you know, I think it's really, really important and ethical to be using wire bike guard guys. So those are my, my soapbox things. I got one, (laughs) I got, no, I got one more quick question. When do you make your transition to, from Wisconsin to Tennessee? And uh, well, in years past, I have gone down there right away. So pretty much after Thanksgiving, I, I shoot down there. Um, I'm not sure actually this year what my ultimate plan is and when I'm going to head down. Um, booking trips for February and March right now, pretty heavy. Um, so for sure then, and you know, intermittently through through the winter probably. Are you getting the um, new RV? No, I got the same. Uh, I got the same shitty camper down there. Uh, <laughs> I went down there this year. It's a funny side story. <laughs> I, dro- I drove down there. I ended up leaving my parents' place late, visiting with them. You know, from so they live in Illinois. Drove down, visited them, and then went down there. Ended up getting on the road late. Didn't get down there until like. Like ten thirty, eleven o'clock at night. I go into my camper and it was completely destroyed on the inside. Oh. I don't know if people got in there Kins. or if animals got in there, but like the sink was broke off. There was shit and piss and nuts everywhere. It was Kins. Uh, yep. The carpet was destroyed. The non-carpeted area was disgusting. My bed looked like the water boy's bed um, <laughs> so you weren't the stinkiest thing problem. in your bed yeah dude it was it was horrible i had to throw away pretty much everything like i don't even know how the the kitchen table was broke off at the base like i don't know how there must have been some giant raccoons you had a bear in there man <laughs> yeah, it's probably a bear and by bear, I mean, I mean I, Phil at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty Mike and the gang was in there for sure. I, I don't know what happened, sleep. man. But I ended up, like, unhooking my boat, driving back into town, which is, like, Walmart's, like, 30 minutes away. So driving there, getting all these cleaning supplies, getting back in there. Sun came up by the time I was, like, done. I had cleaned off a small enough space on the non-carpeted area that I could put my sleeping pad down and sleep on it. Like, three or four runs of carpet cleaner, like, carpet cleaning the upholstery, scrubbing the walls, putting their stuff in there, getting the new... Luckily, Todd over at Toei had a, a spare bed at his house that he let me... He felt, felt bad for my... 
transient ass. And uh, they hooked me up with a twin bed that I could spell in the camper. And, uh, yeah, man, Tennessee was not good to your boy this year. Uh, so, 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 so kids should just, when kids, when you grow up, be a musky guy that, that travels. That it, it seems to pay off, right? It seems like fun. <laughs> well, I got to be honest, it's a lot of fun. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's the most lucrative thing or the, the best thing you can do for your mental and or physical health. But, uh, Amen. I'm having a good time. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world, boys. It's, uh, it's my favorite thing. And this time of year is crazy busy. I, I sleep deprived and... And I'm going a lot, and I'm sore, I'm tired, but, dude, it's, I mean, I live for it. This is so much fun. And uh, just getting to see uh, all my guys that I get to fish with. Some of these guys I've been fishing with for years and years and years, and they've caught their first muskies with me, and now we're going for the big ones. And it's, and it's just it's just really cool to see the transition and, and how everybody uh, how everybody progresses and and the progression of the sport and the, you know, the fishing is just fantastic this year. We're doing really good. And, you know, we've got new limits in a lot of these areas down here or up here rather, where we've got 50 inch limits now. So that's killer. Um, in other places, you know, it stays the same, but, but, you know, it's just, we're in the heyday of musky fishing here, guys. I mean, we've got awesome, awesome, awesome conservation going on. Um, People are are doing really great things as far as lures and fly fly design and <clears throat> all that stuff, and it's just so much cool stuff going on. And electronics are just I can't even keep up with it. I mean, <laughs> they're so good now, and uh, everything is just it's just super fun to be out there doing it. Clan strikes again. The Rizza, the Jizza, old dirty bastard, inspect the deck, make poor on the chef. You guard, ghost face killer, and man, the mess. Hey, T-H-O-D, man. M-E-T-H-O-D, man. M-E-T-H-O-D, man. M-E-T-H-O-D, man. Hey, you, get off my ground. You don't know me and you don't know my staff. Who be getting fun when they come to a damn? Here I am, here I am, the method man. Patty cake, patty cake. So, anyone watching the Wu-Tang Saga? I have a hard time not having it, but I want to now. Like it's, it's Woo Wednesday, man. I watched it before I came over here to do this. I saw. I knew we were having Willen. I saw so, a. Uh, so I got to watch Wu Tang. I saw a promotion for it, like on cable television. And, and was way like, better. Way better than me telling you how awesome it was. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> man, I'm like, you know, I t- Chad told me it was awesome. I'm into the Wu Tang Clan as well. I gotta watch it. I gotta watch it. He said some of the characters haven't even been introduced yet. Oh no, man. As of right now, we have... And then I, I saw through, the, like, the, they showed, like, who the producers were, and Method Man's one of the producers. RZA is the and, executive produ- producer. Yeah. and so is Method Man. And yeah. so that makes me feel like it, it is the real deal. And so far, they're going to, like... So far, ahead. Meth has a small role in it. 
RZA is the the main character. Sure. And uh, Ghostface Killer and Raekwon. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, so. man. Ghostface Killer. He's he's amazing. He's, but I I love all this stuff. Like me and Chad were talking even before we came in, and Mark and I and. Uh, they, I, I listened to a lot of this. Even like my parents let me be like let me. Do you know what it was? It was like that. That's where you could buy like twelve CDs in the mail for like for a dollar. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then your your parents got signed up for some bullshit ass prescription or uh, yeah, something clearinghouse. Yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah. So like I get like twelve CDs. So I got like one of, and and so and and then I got a Wu Tang Forever. Yeah. One of those. And man, it changed my whole life. And then I started looking into all of it. I got that, and I uh, it was uh, that notorious B Ready to Die, which was a god, but the terrible album for a twelve-year-old to be listening to. And and my whole my whole it just it really did it changed me. I was like, man, I I listened to a lot of this for a while, and then Chad and I got into the heavy metal. You know what changed me into rap, like fiend. I love rap. Was Temples of Boom by Cypress Hill. Oh, oh, yeah. You turn eight. Yeah, it's on. I remember one day, Ernie and myself, uh, he was the best man at my wedding. We've been growing up. We He's been a yeah. guest on our show. Um, we went to a FYE back in the day. Mm-hmm. He bought Temples of Boom. I bought Pantera's Vulgar Display of Power. And those two albums are still, like... The temples of what I listen to when I want to have a good time. It's Cypress Hill and Pantera. They're they're totally different. They totally fit two different mood sets, but they're still take me back to the day when we want to have a rocking time. Absolutely. I always I, I always just took to this like the like the clan that they they just held themselves so much as a team. <laughs> Them. Wu Tang Clan. The Wu Tang Clan. Yeah, they came it's like, from. It's like the SBS team. We hold ourselves very closely. They came from two different ghettos, and became one. If you watch a little bit of the show, it'll will come out. But we want to get into a little bit of a, a heavier topic about giving spots away. Um, what what do you guys think about giving spots away to people that you fish with? Like, will you take people to spots you fish? To an extent, yes. Again, I, mean, I don't mind taking anybody, but it's all going to be relative to the person in the situation. And I know that's vague, and that's kind of very bland to answer a question that way. It depends on the person. It depends on what we're fishing for, and this it really does. There, I've been burned on a couple situations recently of people you know that want to come back and try guiding areas and dr- willing to drive a long way. So that's kind of put me in. You know, a, a little bit of a spot where, you know, I know I don't appreciate that, but I've taken a lot of people to our own water that, you know, have respect, you know, and just, uh, that's a tough one. But I don't think as, as a whole, no, it's not overly bad, but it depends on where you live, too. If you're in an area where we have a lot of musky water, what if you got two rivers? And there, what if you got an area that... It's a big river. There's musky all over it, man. Yeah. You know? So th- that way, go find your own. Yeah, you don't Speaking need our spots. But I mean, our but situation, if you're gonna come with me, I'm gonna take you to my spot. You know, yeah. it's tough because you know there's a, just a couple places that you can honestly in our you know in our local you'll find this. There's a couple places that you can honestly go fish for the hybrids, effectively on a consistent basis. 
Yeah. So as soon as that spot goes away, there are about two of them. Mm-hmm. One you can only get two by boat now. Mm-hmm. So now you go down the for one spot. For a couple spot. months. <laughs> yeah, for a few months. Now it's gonna it'll be open to everybody. We talked about this on the podcast. Well, I but don't think we talked about it on the show, did we? We yeah. just talked about it off yeah. air. Uh, yeah, we no, talked about uh, it. Did we? We had one over the project, I think, a little bit on how they're putting a walking trail over there. Yeah. Good. Okay. So, uh, you know, for now, you know what I mean? But that's if spot goes away, if spot gets fed up too. And there aren't a million fly fishermen around here, but there are a million gear fishermen that will learn from a guy catching them on the fly. Real qu- oh, if you catch them on fly, you know damn well I'm going to catch them on gear. Oh, they can definitely catch them on swim baits. Or we can bait. Catch them on fly. Or bait. If you're catching them on a fly, they're going to catch them on bait. You know what I mean? And they'll they'll learn. I mean, it's easier. Because if, if Jace, Jace that's why even when Jace goes down to those spots, he, he tries to conceal the pictures as well as possible. They're all just green in the background. He's holding a giant, large, huge fucking striper. And, and don't get me wrong. I, there's a lot of people that fish around here, but I think we underestimate just, or overestimate, should I say, how many fish not the way we do, but to the extent we do with it. Yeah, I don't. There's a lot of people that don't, you know, go out there and oh, sit on yeah. the bank, and they're all going to go to the same areas. And there's a lot of people that go out there and they Easier fish access. for fish for their spawn fish. So they'll go in the spring and they'll go to certain yeah. areas there, and they always know, and then they know where their walleyes are going to go. Mm-hmm. But to sit and pick apart active fish, to get them to eat streamers and stick baits and stuff like that. Or swim baits in the gear world. Yeah, there's a decent bit of people, but not an absolute mess of them. There's a lot of bass guys in largemouth on lakes and stuff. Oh, yeah. But in that river, there's a lot of people going down there kayaking. There's a lot of people, that, you know, fishing their way down through that aren't actively knowing what they're doing. They're just fishing. Absolutely. No, they're not pa- No, they're not picking apart a river like you and I are when we're going down to the raft. No, by no <laughs> means. Like, I've watched like, a lot of them. You're like, go over here. If you're not over there, what do you fuck are you doing, dickhead? I've, I've watched <laughs> a lot of them, and they don't. You know, and some of them will, to an extent, but mm, not quite the way we're going to work a river and and try to understand fish, though, too. They don't, they don't look at it that way. No, because it's Sunday, it's an easy day of fun and yeah. fishing. Yeah. <laughs> That, you know, and that's, that that's awesome. Ri- that's awesome that people, and, and God bless those guys for getting out there and having fun and doing it too. Our river does have some obstacles that deter a lot of people from going on it. You know what I mean? So that, I think, is a deterrent for people to come on there. But if someone wants to come and learn with us, I'm more than willing to take anyone. I agree yeah. with that. You know, I agree come with, that. with us. Yeah. Come throw tube, tube jigs while we throw flies. Let's count. Let's I think let's one, see who has a better day, you know? Uh, I, I just want to see sometimes. Yeah. yeah. One Wait. of the worries, though, I do see is you tend to send a lot of people to spots, and you see a lot of people handle and work with fish, too. If I know there's muskies in an area, and I know I'm probably going to fish with you once a year, I'm not going to take you or send you to that area. It's as easy as that. I mean, look how many people catch pike in our river that drag them from... They, they eerie shuffled and fish up on. Mm. And then they get hammered full of dirt and gills, and we've seen it plastered all over Facebook everywhere on our river and them fish. Yeah, there's some people I don't want there, quite frankly. No, period. I don't want to take you down through that spot and to it. I don't want you to sit no. there and beat the snot out of them like you've done every other one. But there's a lot of them, too, that are going to appreciate, and they do treat them, with, you know, and then people, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. But and you could tell fairly 
pretty easily on how that's going to be, Mark, too. if you and me are sitting at a bar talking to a guy, talking about fishing, uh-huh. we're going to know right away whether this guy is dragging a pike oh, absolutely. up. A, absolutely. So and, gonna, that's that's why, and like I said, guy, we're going to want to stay... Yeah, day fishing and like with. I said at the end there, that's someone you're pretty easily gonna you're gonna yeah. be able to tell that, and that and I think that that's how I said earlier you're gonna gauge as to who you're gonna take where because that too I mean it's a lot of people just you, you and like the, even on the gear side I mean watching the handling of fish is like really really <laughs> I I was reading a thread on the I don't on the care about, uh, sorry I, I don't care about any of our spots on our river because. I mean, a river's a river, and the people, especially the local people, I mean, they're going to fish it. I mean, it's here. It's their river as much <laughs> as it is ours. It's there. It's here. I mean, I don't really, that doesn't bother me. I was reading a thread on uh, one of the Facebook pages today, and some guy that, he's kind of a big name in fly fishing across the pond, like dry fly fishing, mm-hmm. was talking about how he has 0% mortality on trout that are caught and released that is total bullshit i i just want to bring that up i just don't know how he knows how does he know though um that one of does the he sit and watch him one of the guys i know from the drake was going back and forth with him like look at some of the studies done by some of the major colleges done around and there is a mortality rate on catch and release fish i don't care how how careful you are with the fish there's still mortality rate. Absolutely. And this you know is what? a blood sport. Just like a muskie sitting there trying to eat a prey. That trout comes floating to the top of the water. You don't think every bird sitting around is going to be there within 30 seconds? Yeah, So what happens tired? if that fish dies an hour after dark? You don't see it. Or it goes to the bottom and a turtle yeah. eats it. I mean, it's, it's yeah, same as any predator. That fish goes up there, it's gone. They, they're not going to let him sit there and splatter around the surface. Let alone if there's a bigger fish underneath that's going to come and eat it. Yeah, 100%. Russ yeah, Madden said crap. it best on our podcast. If you're not ready to stick a harpoon in a fish, don't go fishing. <laughs> God, I love that dude. We haven't had him on in a this while. This is a blood sport. We, we need Russ back on. We do need Russ back on. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a, He's that's an, a he was sure. another amazing talk that changed my life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy's awesome. Jeez. I need more of this guy in my life. Chris Willen just sent me a Wu-Tang picture, just so you guys know. Oh, Chris Willen. That was, that, was a, that was an amazing, <laughs> amazing interview. It, it got me so pumped up for fishing. Like, I can't wait to go fish for muskie now. All right. We're going to do this. Yes, I love it. That's cool. The yep. Wu-Tang eyes on the double nickel. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess it's one of them things at the end of the day. I mean, we spent... Eight ten years fishing this, we appreciate it. We want to share it, but at the same time, kind of don't want it. I don't want it abused either. I think the more eyes on it, the better the resource will be handled. We have an absolute perfect resource. I don't want left to tell, alone right now. I don't want to tell anybody. Ab- are perfect in there. Even speaking of the river, yeah, I'll, but think how many how much trash is on the side of the river. Think how many people come down there and just snag a bunch of hybrids. Chad. Talking about other spots, though, even that, like, I, I'm i not, I don't ever, like, I would never want to give the trout spot away. I don't know. It's kind of nice going down that river anytime it. we want and not having to see anybody. Very seldom. Yeah, but That's, if people don't see it and get to appreciate it, they don't get to love it and they won't protect it. Dude, when there's plenty. They have water okay. fire on there. They're building trails along it. 
they can love it in their own little way and cherish it like a kid. That's fine. Right. <laughs> How bad? it? Have fun. Well, we'll, we'll accept you know their what? donation that, for it too. That's our that's our difference. In I'm opinion. gonna walk yeah. my monkey ass down that nice ass trail next to all those trees, and then I'm gonna walk right down into the water, and I'm gonna exactly. catch my goddamn ass a hybrid. I'll tell you that in two years. Yep, absolutely. I don't give a shit. Like I that, can't wait to walk like back new, down there. The new I'm little dying. trail they put in. I park right there now, and I walk down into a different spot that I hadn't been fishing for a while, and it's been really good. Yeah, I used to walk down there when there wasn't a trail. You know, that was my that was my hour spot. And you know what? And it's seven o'clock at night, and I just got out of work, and I'm running and trying to get there. And I walk in, and there's another guy there. Eh, I'm probably going to be a little pissed off sucks, because now I can't fish. Because I only have a wee little period of time. You know, the more and so, the more this opens up, kind of nice up, though, going into that. The more and the more this opens up, though, it's like Ohio. I lived in Ohio for ten years, and Ohio has uh, parks all along the rivers. The metro parks. The metro parks all along the rivers, and it's it's honestly it's better. It, it is, is better. better, but they have more access to each spot. But though, that's too. fine. And that's but fine, that's yeah, fine. because you have more area to go to. You, you know, you're going to see the same guys owning the same raft. A guy's not going to go out and buy a raft because a metro park was put up. Yeah, 100%. So you're still going to have the same access. Like if I not, had access to anything. fish every part of that river without you being do. on a raft, without, <laughs> without yeah. being on a raft, I wouldn't mind as much. But for the stretch we fish, there's really only three accessible spots by foot to get in there. Yeah. Now, if I had a stretch the whole way down it, and I can walk, and I didn't have to go through that dead water that was too deep and you can't wade... That's a little different story then. Yeah, I'd like a lot more people there. It wouldn't matter. You just keep on walking and go as far as you can. But you don't find that many more hardcore fishermen. Guys no. don't get better, hard, more into fishing because of the metro parks. I think it's just cool. It is. It's better. You'll, you'll find just people be walking, strolling their kids down the river. That's all I ever saw. I did see one redneck who kept a bunch of smallmouth. I didn't want him to keep, but that was a, you know, him. Oh, oh, poop load of money for our river. <laughs> Do something like that. But, even Jay said they might start stocking our river again. So we'll see if that was all hearsay or if it's actually going to. I would love it to be that way because that it's means never going to go anywhere. So it's not like if they stop stocking it, the river's just going to go away and it's going to be forgotten. No. About. So they're always going to have that laying over them at some point they're going to have to do it from just the amount of pressure being put back on them you know what do you think what do you think what do i think yeah are we talking about the starting stock, to start stock, stock? Yeah. yeah it's not going to hurt anything it's not going those trout aren't going to go oh the tr- no, no the we're not we're no, not talking no, about no, that no. don't you think at some point though they're going to eventually have to start the river's never going to go anywhere no. They're going to have to start stocking it again. With what? I'm just saying, in general. With what? I well, hope hybrids. We we can only <clears> hope <throat> that, because if they don't, they're never going to... They're obviously yeah, not making They're going to be done. Yeah. yeah I don't care about so the you're trout. you're going to need that. Other than that, no, I really don't care either. I don't care if they mm. even stop stocking muskies in it. Making a smallmouth factory. And the muskie will still reproduce. There's still yes. spots... You're still going to have periodic ones I would that. like them to stock more muskie, though. Yeah. Be, uh, that would be great to see more. It'd be better if they stocked more Cause, because cause we don't want we, less. Obviously, we catch a lot in there. No, but... I it would, it, I'm just saying. <laughs> but they're in there. Yeah. They're, they're in there. That'd if be, there were more in there, it'd be even better. 90% of our fishing there is for smallmouth. Sure. 90% we, you're fishing in there for smallmouth. I did it once You did a year. lot for carp, though, too. I did carp and hybrids this year. I went one time. I okay, think. I so with that being said, then, yeah, they, in, the, in they this have way, to stock the hybrids. For the way I'm looking at it, 
No, it doesn't matter if it's not for the way you're looking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You need that. Yeah. I, I mean, my it. fish are reproducing, and I'm fishing there all the time for years. Yeah, if that stocking doesn't come Yeah, they're come not back. there. And then what else is it also going to do? If the hybrids aren't there, it's going to hammer them. It's not going to hammer the shad. That's going to affect the smallmouth fishing, too. Well, the smallmouth is still going to eat the shad. Mm. They're going to get big. The smaller shad. They're still going to get big. But they're just going to have a point where there's just so much of it. But I don't know. We don't ever see that much up high. We tend to see more yeah, than shad low. Yeah, I don't see them up there. So, it, but it's just a, a guessing game for us. We don't know. We're not biologists. We're just fishermen. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, we're just guys that like to go. <laughs> One out thing we do know, fish. though, without them being put in, they won't come back. No, and there, but there have been Wipers. like nice class they sizes. They do reproduce. I was reading uh, an Alab- oh, I was reading an Alabama. Oh, Jesus, I'm me. listening. No, I'm listening. No, Mark, <laughs> not gonna listen to this. But hmm. I was reading an Alabama research paper where they do reproduce. It's small numbers, but they do. Really? Yes. Hybrids? Yes, hybrids. Hey. If they so I, one doctor so out wait, of 100,000 so found like, two like that's, fish No, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Cl- climate change isn't a real thing either. Oh, my God. Hold on, hold on. No, we're not no, going to do this. Like a mule, a mule. They're hybrids. They don't reproduce, but they found reproduction happening in a small amount of hybrids. In, in the South? In a, it was an Alabama college that did the study. I don't know where I don't know where it happened, where the study was, but it's an Alabama college. They I know they act like they want to. Yeah, they try. I, I absolutely. Oh, yeah. I w- Jed Jed put a put it on one's nose, and there were two fifteen pounders, fifteen pound fish nosed into a, a into a rollover, and I mean I'm talking nosed, like nosed, like as like like as, as close as you could put something into the into that thing. They were both nosed there. He put the fly down there. Bam, there goes one. I'm like, oh, there's still another one. No, I'm going to watch him just go down the river. There were three guys down there. I figured I, sh- I should have went down there. And, you should have helped me land that fish, Chad. I should have helped Chad <laughs> land that fish. I should have personally helped Chad land that fish because I was the most educated person that was there other than Chad at, at, at maybe grabbing a hold of a fish that we didn't have a net <laughs> for. A 15-pound fish we didn't have a net for that has all the power behind it anyway. But so I see another one. I'm like, ah, oh, shit! I want to double up. Let's do this thing. You know, that one didn't want to bite, but it, it, they act like they want to. They do. Oh, they absolutely. run. They run. They the, run great. Yeah. They well. They'll in their spring. They'll run their. They'll their. You know, just the normal course. Like they would spawn mm-hmm. out and then you know go upon their merry way like any fish would. And and the only problem lately has been, in that time of year when they do that, lately. We've just had way too much rain for the last three years. This that he did that like four years ago. I just moved back. You know, I was down there with him and Jace earlier in the season, like in April, when we didn't have as much rain. You know, and this is all happening. I'm like, oh jeez, <laughs> yeah, here we go. And he he hooks up. We're all down there, and you know, Slater was down there at the time, and you know, it, I think it's just a, a seasonal. And then, but you said even you've seen them lately. Oh, yeah, they're running right up anytime it floods now into that one river system. Do you think that's because of food? Mm-hmm. Just because the food moves up there? Mm-hmm. Yep, you know, absolutely. They chase it right up. So why they do, that'd be interesting. I don't know. Why Why do the bait go the way up in there? I don't know. So I guess something. I don't know if people can hear Mark and I. <sighs> I don't believe what he says. 
Oh, they can definitely hear it. I don't it. believe what he says. Mark and I definitely have different opinions on a lot of different things, <laughs> but that does not stop us from having fun when we go out on the boat and fishing together and putting what we think a fish is going to be doing to effect and really catching fish and no, having a good not, time. Not whatsoever. Because you know I think what I mean? it's, we, we both know how each other are and we both know where it is just like, you know what, screw it. It's not worth it because we're ne- neither of us are changing our minds, so... <laughs> Move on. Oh hell no! And and while we're on, while we have the mics recording, that's the time to push push each other's buttons. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and and not that I'm saying no. That it, 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 like to explain myself. Not that I'm saying no that a wiper wouldn't reproduce. But if you have three percent of the population and you're talking about ten million fish, oh great, three percent. Whoop de do. And that will never get more and never get less. And yeah, they probably could. But so one fish out of 50,000 that's been put in there in 10 years reproduces. Okay. I would be willing to guarantee that the, <laughs> it could happen, that yes. the muskie produce way more in our river I than any hybrid ever would. Oh, it, yeah, like I said, in that, that study, it said a small percentage. Tiny. Yeah. In yeah our a river, small percentage. In our, in our I think dirty river. In, it'd be worth its weight in gold if you said you keep all the money that you've taken stocking and do us one favor. When that water temp is between 53 and 56 degrees, don't jack with the river. Leave that flow be. Let everything settle. Don't touch with it. For that period of time, let them fish spawn. Let them egg set. Leave them alone. You can keep all the money from all the whatever it costs to stock for that one period of time and let that river sit. That's never going to happen because that's always in April and May. And I that's know. when we get the rain. It's the same there part, pl- Kinzu and all. I know. And there it never would happen. It would that, never happen. That that's would be what the dams put email. there for. Yep, I know. That's a, it is. It's that's what the dams there for. It's a flood reservoir. That's it. Oh, and absolutely. We just try to do the best we can with what we get handed from them. Oh, and it's and this year the, was crap. All up. This the year fish was. seem to the fish seem to handle it just fine. They do. They it's just great. us that pisses so, them on. So I have one good question. So Wait, I got a good answer Jace, for you. Jace, Jace was also talking. They're gonna if when they start if they start talking, guess what they lift? The no eat ban. Okay. From the river, would you? Would after I, that, eat a walleye from our river if they lifted a no eat ban? Absolutely. I didn't eat walleye from the river before the no eat ban. Neither I, did I, because I, I knew how dirty it was. I never ate them from before there either. But absolutely, and I would eat them from. Your spot upstream because everything is from that spot downstream. Not my spot, Jace's spot. Yeah, Jace's spot. Correct. Well, well my, yeah. mine was downstream. Where your that. transformers are. Mine from was them down. transformers down. Everything up. No, there's no problem. They've tested the water. It's crystal clean up there. There's no issues yeah. with it. Mark's right with that. It's all in the sediment from that part down. So if now you that ca- part if down, you got a no, five pounder at the wall, you'd keep it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. There's no doggone thing wrong I've with that I've caught a giant from the wall, but I, I have keep eaten. it even then because I was like, man, it could have went down, man. No. I've that, eaten catfish from the wall. clean as all get out. I've eaten mm-hmm. catfish from the wall before. All you're doing is running the water from the lake cycled through there. Oh, Think sure, sure, sure. That's sure, all sure, that sure. that is. Yeah. For the first couple miles, that's just cycled water from the lake. Yeah. There's nothing that can ever get in that but sediment But the fish there. don't run at all? The fish don't drop back? The fish don't move? They just sit at the wall the whole time? No, that's... They're moving, yeah. but just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. I I still wouldn't eat them because 
I, I didn't even before. I don't. Yeah, and that's I don't. Just it. I, I've never ate one from there. Uh, if there was talking walleye, you that. wouldn't eat any. Even if you caught a walleye, you just no. Jay, I have ate walleyes and just throwing it out there. Years ago. No, I would not eat them for this simple fact. When I go fishing, I go fishing. When I come home, I don't want to still be in the act of fishing, which means <laughs> <I'm laughs> yeah, walleye. I hear same reason so, I don't keep or kill anything. So when I leave fishing, I will go to the place in Sharpsville and buy walleye. No, <laughs> absolutely. Just, okay, yeah. okay, okay. No, I'm just asking. Go ahead. No, yeah, go no, ahead. I just because I don't like to clean fish, you know? Yeah. If if I'm going to clean fish, I'm going to go to the pond across w- the street and clean bluegills. I would not buy walleye. I'd have a hard time buying walleye. I'm sure <laughs> you, would have, you would have a hard time buying walleye. I will buy any other fish gladly after a day of fish. I'd have a hard time buying walleye. Uh. Just because Mark's dad catches so many. Oh, That's sure. That's where he was going with I that. Am. I'm spoiled. Uh, <laughs> walleye and perch, I have just a, If I want some walleye, I, You know I what the thing is? I honestly probably only eat it maybe three or four times a year. I don't eat it that much. If I want eggs or He'll walleye. call me one day, hey, come down. I just caught yesterday. And like today. He's out today. They got blown off yesterday. Or he never even got on yesterday. It was that bad. So they're out today. And I sure. would love to get blown off. <laughs> <laughs> I would love so, it. I, I'd pay $50 to get blown <laughs> off somewhere. Jay's free. <laughs> wait, 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 hold, like on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> the Beast of the East is in two weeks. We're all spending the night at camp for three days. Oh, you so I have fifty dollars. I have fifty dollars for you, Jay. All right, man, I'm in for fifty. <laughs> so wait, I got. Uh, how's this work? Jeez, please, people, don't. I I hope my wife's family's not listening to this. I hope they are. Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> so from all the years before that you two had your thing before I met you, you now bail when he goes to bed for his snoring. Oh, I hate snoring. What'd you do then? Just. I just leave, leave the room eat. after we were done. Yeah. Eat and run. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go eat. eat. I gotta go eat, man. <laughs> I'm hungry, dude. I got the munchies. Yeah, I gotta go. Don't worry, I'm sleeping in my truck this year. I, you said I, that last yeah, year. Yeah, until a raccoon. You dude, said you know there are a lot of I'm sleeping in his tent. I slept in my truck last year, except yeah, for sure, one you're gonna get, dude. You're, it might, you, you might get hung by a bear or an Evans. Turn the fan on. I love, I love a bear Evans. You might get hung by an Evans. I love a big hairy Evans. Oh man, you could grab his man bun like you mean it. I can't wait. I'm sorry, Evans. I know. Speaking of this that, is going to be the party of the century at our camp. Dude. Speaking of that, I saw Ev- or I talked to Evans earlier this week. He lost all of his big flies. Lost them. So, lost them. He had them in a Tupperware. Well, he's he had them in a Tupperware last time they went musky fishing, and uh, the guy he was fishing with cracked the throttle, and the Tupperware dipped out <laughs> out of the boat. What? So. I know I have a bunch of old musky flies that I'm going to donate to Evans. If anyone else has an an Evans fund and wants to donate a 12-inch musky fly or bigger, I'm sure he would be appreciative. Well, he better call Jace and tell him because Jace could start tying. And he eh, he's riding along with some guy who uh, doesn't know how to row very well and uh, is going to fish a bunch, he said. And and I guess, what, what what was it on the telephone? Evans is like my personal guide. Is what I think the the verbatim was. Oh. So so he better bring some personally awesome. This is awesome the first time Jace has even musky fish this no, year. No 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 no. That came from somebody else. Oh. And that 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 guy better bring some personally awesome flies along if Evans doesn't have okay. his Tupperware. So if Evans is his personal guide uh, to catch uh. musky, 
to catch everything. Wait, wait. Who's the only he person didn't. that guided Evans to catch his only muskie? I was going to say, you should have fired him last year then. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, just coming out of my, this, no, the guy who rose him around, I guess. He, he's Justin's personal trolling motor. <laughs> this is what I hear. It's better than a guy who's a trolling motor. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Hey, on that note. Let's uh let's wrap this one up. We can't wait to get out there with those guys and I, hang out at the camp. We Beast of the East is a time, dude. If you have, if yeah, you didn't get in, great. missed out. We crack fun because we have fun. You oh, know what absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. We did send a registration in, right? I did. I, <laughs> you I, messaged, did. <laughs> I messaged you and I messaged uh, Matt Dixon. <laughs> so we are in, guys. Sweet. I'm excited. Hey, can I show? Brought to us by Predator Flagger. Check them out predatorflagger.com. You have A-Rex hooks. Eric'sHooks.com. Sims Fishing. Find them at SimsFishing.com. Check out some Allsdorf genetic at UrbanFlyCompany.com. Yeah, check out Why Not Fishing and their dock, the, or the, their app, The Dock. Chris Willing, Guide Service. Check him out. Heck yeah. Dot com. ChrisWilling.com, I think it is. ChrisWilling.com. Uh, is it? CW Guide. CW Guide on Instagram. On Instagram. Mm-hmm. Sims Fishing. Yeti, go for the wild. Why not fishing? We already did all those. Are we going to do everything again until Chad gets it ready? Yeah. That w- <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, you know I am. I love some. Are we, we going to actually get some of these? Wake up, wake up, wake up, it's wake up, wake up. Yeah, 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 Nigga, we chill, for real Wake up, 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 wake up,